do about that B in sports sign that keeps flowing everywhere. Yeah, there's a the, the stream we're watching on isn't even Sky Sports. It's a shame Richard Keyes wasn't on tonight. Got a night off. I know. It's I think it's Paul Robinson. Remember him, Bello, the ex the, Who is he? The, the ex, Progress yeah. Proteus champion, you mean? <laughs> That's the very same. Or the neighbours uh, character. The neighbor stories of the most heel and face turns in soap history. Has it? <laughs> Paul Ro- oh yeah I've always assumed Robinson is evil did he have something amputated that I dreamed yeah of? like his leg or something I think at one point see like the um, it's, that's like the progress Paul Robinson as well he's a heel is he a face nobody knows we just know he's a big fat working class Tory that's all well, he is he's a member of the, the GMB union isn't he there he is he's that's, a union member reluctantly yes <laughs> Have we started, by the way? Is this the start? Should we just say we've started? Yeah. yeah. Set the scene. Do the first intro, game. though. Just for... Ah, none of the intro crap. Let's what? leave that one out. <laughs> they know who we are. Although we've got Hateful Hulan in the house as well. We do. My, my son is in... Tommy, do you want to say hello? Say hello. Say hello. Go to the dark day. Just laughs Ah, he's looking nervous. Yeah. Oh, he, knows, he knows he's on. What, what's going on over there at JP Towers? Well, it's uh, a very chastening day for my uh, Irish football love, as uh, at the moment, Ireland are currently losing 1-0 away in Switzerland. Uh, we're into the first minute of injury time. Down to 10 men. Darren Randolph saved a penalty as well. Cracking save. Yeah, it's been a bit of a good second half. This kind of wild because the pitch is all cut up because it's been pissing down with rain. So um, it's, a li- it's a lively affair at the minute. Sort of a much better value than Ireland games are. They're normally the absolute worst. But they're still going to lose this. And uh, the under-21s lost earlier on the day. Troy Parrott suspended. Well, there you after go. What, what can be only described? Uh, one of your lads, uh, Moise Keane, was a really tame scuffle. And he, they both and uh, Keane got a straight red, and it was a yellow at best. And Parrot got his second yellow, and it wasn't even anywhere near a yellow. He could have been sent off at the end of the first for the first half for what could only be described as an absolutely filthy sliding challenge. Yeah, it those, was great. Those Tories, kind of JP. That, have you seen the Maradona documentary yet? No, I haven't. Oh, kind of reminds you of some of the filth oh. you would have seen back in the day. Oh, that's that's Joe talking about Switzerland nearly scored there. <laughs> Well, well, welcome everyone to JP's Irish Wrestling Corner. Uh, Irish Wrestling? Irish Sport Corner. Uh, nah, it sold the wrestling off. Of this <laughs> I think you'd have been a good sports reporter. That was quite quite a good breakdown. I there. enjoyed that, yeah. yeah. I think we could, yeah. We could yeah. O- open up grapple sports. Like This grapple. is an audio medium and, and, and the dubious being sports stream. Oh. God, yes, it must be 2-0. Oh, I thought you blocked that for a sec. Yeah, and it is 2-0. Uh, yeah. Is this all it, in a dedication to your hero, Brick Walsh, JP, whose name I definitely knew before oh, today? Michael Brick Walsh. Did he, yeah, did yeah, he, play, did he play die? Did he retire? I don't even know what he is. What's a, what's a Brick Walsh? Is it a person? Jesus, he's, he's, a, he's you, a reasonably you young man. About? He's a, a very famous hurlers retired oh, right. today. Are there, uh, are, there, are there very famous hurlers, JP? I mean, I'd, I'd question that. There, there is in Ireland, mate. Um, <laughs> you'd say him, you'd say uh, DJ Carey. He would have been a great Kilkenny hurler. Nowadays, it's all the Dublin football team. They're Brick. like the big heroes. I don't Brick. know enough about Gaelic football. Brick. But yeah, his nickname was Brick. 
I couldn't tell you why. Brick Michael Walsh Brickball versus DJ Haley sounds like a match that should be on a CZW in the undercard in 2003. Bit of DJ Hyde. Yeah, Brick. I was going to say, yeah, Brick Walsh. Yeah, it definitely has that CZW, down, CZW vibe. Possibly a bit of Jersey All Pro. Get down Brick Walsh's uh, Gaelic pitch, eh? Rather than DJ Hyde's farm, possibly. <laughs> he could do it. He yeah. could He could just run some, like, I don't know, sort of IWA Waterford or something like that. Cool. A bit like be the Ian Rotten of Waterford at this stage. He mm. could do it. He's certainly got that celebrity power to perhaps draw 50 people like <laughs> Ian Rotten would have done back in the day uh, as punk and hero killed themselves. Do you reckon he'd be as uh, small time and as kind of redneck in sort of small town Irish terms as Ian Rotten? I don't think so. Is it I possible? Think he's, I, I'd reckon he's a bit more of a cultured man, Brick, than what you okay. give him credit okay. for. Didn't we- Ian Rotten like adopt his like champion at some point Mikey sounds... Knuckles do you remember her? Oh, Mickey Knuckles did he adopt yeah that's it didn't he adopt her or something that was the what was the story didn't she get badly injured in a match this is going back in she was going to go on TNA and she got injured in an IWA match and then mm. they just beat up the bloke who'd accidentally injured her in the match really? Ian Ron and his son she... was there with a cane like, his son was about 13 at the time. My son, who's walked out the door as soon as this result's happened. Not to cry himself to sleep, but to oh. probably just get another game of football manager in before he goes said, to bed. It sounds like the Rottens are like the American equivalent of the Knight family, mm. except they've not got a spectacular female like Paige there. We, we, <laughs> or Roy Knight Jr. <laughs> we, we, the UK hooligans. I'm you, not bothered about them as wrestlers. Come on. <laughs> Were you an IWA Mid-South fan back in the day, Joe? I used to get, collect their tapes. Like, I was big into oh, yeah, like, the TPIs. I dipped in, definitely. TPI 2004 is oh, an Is that the one Good with, like, lineup. Austin Aries, Alex Shelley, Danielson, yeah. Samoa Joe? With the, the ridiculously stacked one. Yeah, McGuinness, Homicide. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think CM Punk's in there yeah. as well. Like, you look at that lineup, and everyone in that lineup went on to do something notable at mm. some point. And had an impact on like the, the independent wrestling scene and wrestling as a whole at some point as well. Yeah, absolutely crazy lineup when you think about what IWA Mid South kind of was. It was kind mm. of influential on that underground kind of scene, if anything. Yeah, I'd like to go back and watch that TPI 2004 at some point. But when do you get a chance to go back and watch anything these days? Let's be honest. <laughs> That'll be a good retro review. J- JP, you went into your IWA way. I don't remember yet. You're saying before. Um, I would have seen little bits, but much more after the fact when I was trying to fill in the fact that I'd spent a long time watching TNA. Were you not and bollocks? Were you not watching um, rugby fug Trent Baker in IWA mid <laughs> I thought you'd be a big fan of his. I I wasn't. Uh, I'm surprised, mate. What being a rugby fug at all? You know, <laughs> you think that'd be right up the street? Uh... Yeah, I thought you were right into your rugger. Uh, we were just, we, just before we pressed record as well. We were asking, we were grilling Tommy, weren't we, on his uh, whether he was into the rugger or not. Apparently, that's not a, that's not rubbed off on the kids, JP. Uh, no, nah, not really. He's taken some kind of an interest. I mean, this weekend, effectively, he'll be watching Ireland get their ass handed to them in the uh, quarterfinal of the Rugby World Cup, which they were actually kind of lucky to get there and haven't played well when they face the All Blacks, mm. who it's going to be All Blacks when they're really up for it. 
So, yeah, oh, they're going to get an absolute fucking trouncing. Oh. So after that, he'll lose all interest in rugby. Um, is he still playing the WWE games as Hateful Houlihan? Is that still a thing? Well, no, he isn't, you see. Although last night, because I was, I saw these clips that were going around of the new game. Oh, my it, God. Um, it looks oh, so bad. Jesus. Absolutely fucking horrific. So he watched the player mode on mm. YouTube, and we just sat there laughing at it. And obviously there were the bits like the bit where they get bullied in the school and the rest of it. And um, what? Yeah, there's a bit where they get. Oh, it's like in the story see, mode, isn't it? it? The story mode is embarrassing because I don't know. It's quite weird. You're meant to feel sympathy for her, mm. but it seems like for one who? of. Okay, so the game is set with these two characters: there's one male, one female, and they're in school together. And they're big WWE fans, but everyone else <laughs> thinks they're nerds. And, yeah, I got that. And somebody tries to start a fight with them, except that you're meant to obviously sympathise with WWE, but yet they're making them seem like they're the nerds in school because the, they like it. The one proper ruck I ever had in year 10? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it would have been because uh, everyone had stopped watching wrestling at that point. Uh, Ed Scott kept going about wrestling and uh, well, I was a loser because I loved wrestling and all the rest of it. Loads of the usual abuse. Mm. So uh, me and him had a bit of a bit of a ruck in the form room, and I ended <laughs> up smashing his head against uh, a filing cabinet because there was a clip where I saw Terry Funk style. Jerry the King Lawler do it to Taz. <laughs> I remember. And oh, I think no. I'd watched. I think I'd wa- rewatched SummerSlam 2000 <laughs> or something oh. like the night before. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to walk him down here and then finished it off with that. Got a lot of trouble, but it was worth it. <laughs> Yeah. See, wrestling influencing the kids? That's not good. What are you going to do if, you, Mate, if, if your kids end up in school, JP, reenacting the, these scenes from WWE 2K20? Well, I'm just going to get them watching Anita then for a few weeks and then just <laughs> take it to a whole new fucking other level oh. as they both get expelled from school. It, 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 I don't it, know, bring barbed wire <laughs> in. It shouldn't be understated, though, like, how bad do these games look? Like, that sort of video of, like, The Rock yeah. coming out. And honestly, he looks... I, I would say The Rock, and there was a Kurt Angle, and I was looking at, especially Kurt Angle, I was looking at Kurt Angle and thinking, I think he looked better in No Mercy on the N64 20 years ago. Like, it's just insane it's, that these games keep getting shoveled out and, like, poor parents like UJP end up uh, forking out for them. Yeah, it, it, he's got no interest in this particular game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's just sort of looked at it and he, I think he heard me during the last one, just watching incredulously as like their depiction of independent wrestling. Mm. And he just like, Jesus, what year is this? Like there's no, I'm hearing Alvarez this week describe WWE generally is just fake. The whole thing just looks fake. That's the, the way to describe this game just looks entirely fake and I know it's a game but there's no sense Bianca, Bianca Belair's hair where it's like a big like yeah it's supposed to be a ponytail but it's literally like the, like a big broomstick just poking out the side of her head it's fucking brilliant it's like the um straight to video equivalent of like the MCU WWE in some ways if you ask me <laughs> like why bother with it why is it trying why is it trying to be this wild straight fairground ride when it's just what what is it at the end of the day? It's just basically living off past glories, isn't it? If anything, yeah. And I, I saw the whole thing about um, Mike uh, Kenet, Mike Bennett, Mike Kanellis wanting to get released today. Oh, it's like, well, this is ah, but I, I signed a five year deal three months ago. Come on. Oh, I don't care. But <laughs> what what I think about is that place is toxic, and there's a culture of bullying that exists. So. 
hey, you've got a wife that I think's really hot. I don't think you deserve her. So we're yeah. going to bully you and mentally abuse you. And that's kind of what's going on. Look at Rusev as well. True. And that storyline that's going on. And it's just this game of like outdated jock one-upmanship yeah, yeah. and psychological kind of warfare and game playing when, I don't know, some mad 73, 74-year-old bloke decides that what that person has on his arm and the ring that that person has on their ring from that bloke isn't deserved because ultimately they're not his vision of what makes a real man. Mm. Well, this is it. It's like he watched Revenge of the Nerds and decided <laughs> that the jocks were the fucking heroes here. Yeah. Like, that's that's basically it. And yeah. he's doing Shorty this entirely... He would just watch John Hughes films yeah. and just go, well, yeah, clearly Bill Paxton and Weird Science is the likeable, sympathetic character here. Do you reckon Vince is a big fan of Back to the Future and was cheering on Biff the old time? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like... Yeah. It's, it's, it's like Shorty Gable, that whole Chad Gable thing. Like, I watched SmackDown yeah. this week, and it's like, okay, if the heel is going to make fun of Chad Gable for being short, fair enough. But then, like, it just shows, like, Vince's warped mind that when you've got, that's now his official name, the commentators are calling him it. He's called it on the website. It's like the whole company is now bullying Shorty Gable. And, you know, in Vince's warped mind, like, they're the good that, that that doesn't make them bad guys that's just he's short we sh- everyone should make fun of him how could how could how could that possibly make the company the heel how short is he probably taller than most of our favorite indie wrestlers well i mean this is the thing i find incredulous to him does he just like in his mind six foot five's the norm <laughs> that's the norm that's the height you should be that's a problem he isn't himself you know that's in his mind it's i mean god's sakes hmm. He's a what a fucking loon! I can't think of a better word to describe him. He's just oh, a fucking right. loon. I, I watched like the first because we watched we went long on WWE last week. <laughs> Hopefully soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like sounds bad, isn't it? Well, it's, but well, no, Bruce Bruce Pritchard's taken over in the SmackDown now, so everything's going to be fine. Uh, Bischoff's out, everyone. Now we've got a we've got a Vince McMahon yes man in the spot instead of Bischoff, who apparently spent the last three months in catering or something like that. That's going to say Good me. on him. Bet he ate some bloody good food. Oh, yeah. Him and Mike yeah. Bennett probably had some cracking times, just sat there eating all the... Uh... Oh, mate, he pro- I know what he probably did with Mike Bennett. Probably said, hey, Mike, you and Maria, ran a mine, <laughs> me and Laurie. You know, <laughs> Bishop was up to the old tricks. <laughs> Replace uh, Paige and Kimberly in his, uh, in his friends list. <laughs> not a bad replacement. No, not bad at all. I was a big Kimberly fan. Was she your favourite Nitro girl? She was mine. I didn't have one, mate. Oh, I didn't have it. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, just me then? Sunny, sunny back in the day. Oh, okay. Just you, mate. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Do you have a favourite equivalent? Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson? No? Ah, I remember thinking Trish Stratus was hot as fuck when I was 13. <laughs> Who didn't? That's very true. Yeah. Uh, those are those simpler times. Yeah, I was a Sunny fan. I had a poster of Sunny on my wall when I was about 12. My mum ripped it down. She didn't like, she didn't, she didn't like me... Uh, ogling women like that you know what that was maybe a lesson maybe we shouldn't be so sexist well yeah having seen a little bit of the Maradona film he does that in there as well when he's looking around his room and he's thanking all the women in his life and he's just got like what appears to be like a page three model and a calendar up on the wall Hmm. that appears to be the one that motivates him the most and he was the greatest player that ever lived so there you go then yeah There you are. Who was your favourite page three model, JP? I didn't. Wait, there was two from like back in the day. There would have been. God, we sound like Lindsay Dot McKenzie. 
I'm sorry. Our, our audience is probably at 95% male anyway. I think it's okay. <laughs> sorry to the women out there. Seen the stats. Uh, you were looking at page three on them building mm-hmm. sites when you were working on them. Those building sites, they, they would buy things like the sport. The daily sport. The daily sport, <laughs> which is like, it's crazy. It's the onion, isn't it? Ah, oh, there was a couple of things in the, the articles to bring up. Sean, Sean Ryder's problem page, mm. that was one. Is it in the Happy Mondays? Yes. Did a problem page. Wow. And then what could only be described as effectively like BNP style views on things like immigration. Um, one thing I do always remember, September 12th, 2001, obviously. Were you working on a building site then? No, I wasn't working on a building site then. But I remember with the Daily Sport seeing all the papers the next day. And obviously it was the Twin Towers after that. <laughs> Not the Daily Sport. They led with Lorraine Kelly nude. And then in the top left-hand corner was a picture of the Twin Towers hit by the planes with just the caption, hunt on for bin bastard. Oh I'm going to have to find that. That's got to be the show image now, JP. How <laughs> was Lorraine Kelly in the nude? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't read. I, I won't lie. Of all the headlines that day, I was like, what the fuck? There's like, like one paper that wasn't letting go of its USP that day. Yeah. You're not a Lorraine Kelly fan. No, not really. I never Good Morning Britain, I never never watched GMTV. I never liked never liked GMTV. ITV content in the morning is pretty hellish. Once supermarket sweep went. Uh, that was a that was sort of nine o'clock ish, wasn't yeah, it? it was yeah. About, that yeah. was after Lorraine, I think. Yeah. Exactly. I used to watch that at university. That was like your day started once you watched <laughs> Supermarket Sweep. Me and you should go on a new series of Supermarket Sweep, I reckon. We've said we've said this yeah. before. I reckon we need to apply. I mean yeah, we get some grapple hoodies on. Get there some as well. free press for grapple. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Up, up our numbers. Get grapple guys. Trash that fucking oddies. store. Absolutely just go buck wild with that trolley around the aisles. I think I'd go mad once I hear that music, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> Sorry. After the last time we spoke about it, was there an American or Canadian version of it? Yeah, that came know. up a couple of times. People talking about localised versions of it, but it not being quite as successful as the British version. But it, again, it didn't have Dale, so, you know, why, why would it be successful? Oh, what a hero. That's true. You do need your Dale in there Did as well. Did you ever see when they brought Supermarket Sweep back in like 2007-8? Alex, like dressing Dale Winden. No. Oh, it's my, one of my favourite eras of Supermarket Sweep. Like- so they brought it back after a few years and they started trying to put in like really fashionable, what they considered contemporary clothes. So he's wearing like Echo t-shirts. Remember Echo? Like the hip-hop oh kind of brand? I had a lot he's of those wearing, t-shirts. Like, Echo t-shirts. <laughs> tucked into these like tight black jeans and these like kind of waist length leather no. jackets and Timberland boots uh, yeah it's it's quite the look Dale sporting I how find do you do fellow kids sport. kind of stuff yes yeah 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 fair play with him for doing it but that's not Dale what's Dale those colourful suits colourful suits yeah. that was Dale yeah you, you can't Remember use when he was, Dale saw him once in the flesh he did look orange somewhere off uh, Oxford Street do you have a word no I just walked past but he looked orange <laughs> do you know what he was a gibby 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 I never watched Gibby. You never watched Gibby Gibby Gibby. Gibby. Oh, I never Gibby, liked Gibby 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 was awesome. No. Nah? No. Not for you. But Kathy, I like Kathy Burton. Kathy Burton's amazing, great. But I, I don't even know no. what that is. 
What's Gimme Gimme? It was gimme? a sitcom. Oh, it was awesome. It used to be on at the same time as Friends, and I was in the Gimme 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 cam, not the Friends cam. Stick with oh, the yeah. Brit sitcom, not the shite studio American sitcoms. Uh, and oh, oh, Kathy on. Burke in a in a pomp, if anything. Lynn Slater from EastEnders playing her sister, Sugar Wolves as well. James Dreyfus from uh, Notting Hill as a flatmate. Yeah. Classic sitcom. Did a good free series and a and a New Year's and a Christmas special. I'm rightly. <laughs> Get on it. It's all on YouTube. That's quite the oh. run. It was a run. It's <laughs> didn't now stay as welcome like Friends. Ah, Friends. How Friends it... was bad near the end, but I think overall it was. A, it, I think it yeah. gets a lot. It's easy target. Not Friends. Me. It was an okay show. It was fine. I always thought there was a point when they started. It's the episode where they have to change flats and they do the quiz about mm. each other's friends. And for the first time, they're like quite nasty about each other. Mm. And then it added somewhat of an edge to the show that kind of went away. That's their best the episode, I'd say. Yeah, where they were like being a bit nasty with each other. It's, and it's, then mm. the, like they weren't, everything wasn't like, there was a lot of hugging in that yes. first couple of theories. Yeah. And that's, it's just like, I couldn't bear these people. That's why I preferred Seinfeld because there, were no, there was no hugging in Seinfeld. Like if you want to have the conversation about best mm. best sitcom or best American comedy of all time, I think Seinfeld gets it. I don't think Friends. I like Friends, but it's not in the conversation. Ah, oh, curb your enthusiasm for me every single better? time. I don't know. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It's more cutting and yeah. I can relate to Larry David. Like, I've often been compared to Larry David as well, <laughs> which I take I as a compliment because I, I, I love a bit of Larry David. I think he's great. Um, There's a great Bernie Sanders on this and SNL. Yeah, I've, I've seen it before. Yeah, yeah, he, he, I, yeah I'm a big fan. Um, and Curb, I find just more uh, sort of innovative, whereas Seinfeld can be interesting uh, from a narrative perspective in many ways. And it's quite experimental, it, but you're also confined by the studio limits in many ways. Whereas Curb doesn't have that. Mm. Curb, you can kind of completely cut loose because you got, mm. you're on HBO. It's all sh- mostly shooting on location as well. Um, you can experiment with different types of narrative, different episode lengths as well. You can get the celebrity appearances, which always adds something. You can be more cutting about real world issues as well. Like in the last series when they got uh, the Dalai Lama on, which was great as well. Um, I'm not the Dalai Lama. Fuck, I can't think of his name. Um, oh, shit. My mind's gone blank. I'll think of who it is later. How have I forgotten this? But yeah, Curb's awesome. What's your top okay. comedy of all time, JP? Oh, keeping it to the US. All, sorry, keeping it to the US. To be fair, I know you're just going to mention uh, some random Irish comedy show that like none of us. Father Ted. Father Ted. <laughs> well, not that. Which is amazing. I thought you were going to go a bit more like a, a deeper cut than that. My hero. See the stuff. Uh, no, not my hero. And certainly boys. not Mrs. Brown's boys. <laughs> a, a fucking abomination of a show. And my dad would generally have watched any shite sitcom pretty much. Even he knew to stay the fuck away from Mrs. Brown's boys. It was awful show. <laughs> awful. Quite often, you know, yeah, whenever you hear, well, it's, whatever's got the most ratings must be the best, like Mrs. Brown's boys. Bring that up. It's, watch an episode of that and tell me if that's, oh, it's just an absolutely awful. Do you know I was watching Mrs. Brown's boys? No. The 52%. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. I wouldn't disagree disagree with that at all. Um, favorite sitcoms? Bloody hell, that's hard. Oh, you've you've stumped me on this. Not curb, no. Um, I, I could imagine you being a curb man. 
actually, do you know what? To my shame, I've never watched Curb. Oh. I've been on it in for years about yep. this. Wow. It, and I need to get started, but wow. no. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. No. Do you watch that? No. Louis, controversial that. one. Not allowed to say it anymore, but very good show. Yeah. I, what happened in that show? Was there a school shooting or something? It just sounds bloody like Louis. people seem to turn against it. Uh, no, just the uh, the uh, the guy behind it turned out to be a piece of shit, unfortunately. But, you know. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'd, in terms of like great British sitcom, Spaced was something that, uh, even though it wasn't around for a long time, a lot of it was would have been things like Partridge. It would have been Chris Morris. Oh, been watching, nearly finished the first series of Peep Show this week. Both boys enjoying it. At times trying to explain when somebody starts choking Mark Corrigan during sex. It's like, why is she doing that? And it's just like, I'm going to turn around and go, it's a sex thing. And then just <laughs> let that hang in the air afterwards. Um, but yeah, that kind of stuff I'd be like. So I'm enjoying going through Peep Show again. I'm looking forward to the bit where the show really hits its strides, probably around sort of, I'd imagine, series three, four. Yeah, three's five. the one. I watched that at a random oh, two, nah, two's the one two's the one yeah, really yeah the kind of knows itself at that point doesn't it the music changes that's the first season yeah. where it's the people two with the Jeff and Mark rivalry over yes, Sophie that's true yeah that uh, that's the the priceless season. There's, uh, Jeff is one of the most underrated characters in Peep Show. If you ask me, is that the one where he's like crying on the bed yeah, at the end? The of end. It? Yeah, <laughs> to um, if oh, is it if you don't know me by now or something? <laughs> and, oh, what is it? He's listening to. Oh, God, my mind's gone blank tonight. I don't know what's wrong with me. When a man loves a woman? No, that's uh, when Jeff is kissing Mark's new Australian girlfriend, <laughs> who also played Minty's girlfriend in EastEnders briefly. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Mark has a birthday party, season five, and they're playing when a man, yeah, when a man loves... I'm talking shite, I'm rambling. <laughs> I can't but think. Season two is awesome. Agreed. agreed it's when Nancy sure. comes into it I was going to well. say, when Jez's Jez's wedding is possibly the one that... Yeah, when he's dancing on his own. It's yeah, it's a a solid, solid, as a solid as a rock. Yeah. <laughs> his wedding dance. Yeah. Um, oh, happy days. Right, oh, yeah. Wrestling, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it, it's better than most weekly television wrestling shows. Actually, that's a bit harsh. Certainly all sure. WWE weekly wrestling shows well, I was going to talk you about said you watched of... Smackdown earlier on uh, yeah I was going to mention that somebody did request that we discuss Undertaker going to Nando's as well I don't know whether you want to do that before we talk Smackdown I don't, know I don't have anything to answer that. I'm not surprised <laughs> in some ways but the fucking money he was charging over it he should be eating in Michelin star restaurants while he's. There's a photo of just like a sad little old man in the corner of a Nando somewhere in Scotland. And I was thinking, you know. Why is he in Scotland? I don't know. I'm not sure what the deal is. Um, but Was he Nando's... doing another one of those inside the ropes things? Maybe, but I don't think there's anything like that coming up. Really <laughs> odd. I don't know what he's doing out there. But yeah, Nando's. We talked about it on this show before. It's a, For me, it's an overrated one. It's just fucking chicken. Sorry, everyone. I like hot chicken. I like the, the many local places near me. The two really good spicy chicken mm. uh just wings you know but there's a good, good one near me Buff- buffalo chicken in general i'm a big fan of buffalo wings but Nando's, yeah yeah Nando's, it's just chicken with sauce you can get from asda and tesco i don't get it do you get it <laughs> i do you know my, my opinion on this i say this quite often about certain types of food it does a job <laughs> and that's and that's ultimately what nando's does i feel sometimes you just you're gonna eat you know what you're getting <laughs> And it'll do the job, mm. but it's not exactly spectacular. Salman Rushdie—that's who's in the last series of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, glad we got that clarification. And those to Salmon Rushdie. <laughs> There's a great episode of Curb with the Palestinian chicken as well, actually. That's <laughs> one That's one to watch out for, yeah. Palestine, Palestinian Israeli chicken. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Yeah. Sure. What? Um, but, but yes, JP, I did watch SmackDown to answer your question. I watched, <laughs> I watched the first hour of it live because we talked about it last week and I thought, I just want to see how this goes with the draft. It was... Honestly, an hour in, I realised why I don't watch WWE anymore. They had Stephanie McMahon out there in the most corporate way possible, just reading out the list of people who've been drafted, the list that had leaked onto Twitter already, and they put, I think they put it on WWE.com, didn't they, directly? The list of the list of people who are available to be drafted oh, yeah. in that order that Stephanie McMahon then stood there woodenly on a stage and uh, drafted to Raw and SmackDown. Basically, everyone already on Raw ended up on Raw. Basically, everyone on SmackDown already, already ended up on SmackDown. Bray Wyatt did some magic to... Uh, Come through the ring and end the Seth, Seth and Roman match. And Shorty Gable came out. And that was all within the first hour. And at that point, I think they started chilling Crown Jewel and I turned it off. Uh, I was channeling my uh, my best Rev Joe. And uh, I don't think I was the only one as well because they did uh, 4 million for that SmackDown last week. And uh, this week they were down to, what, 2.9 million, something like that? Yeah. It's only going to crash further, isn't it? I think so. Um, it's, it's it's one of these things quite often, you know, I'll hear Dave Meltzer talk about it and he'll say, you know, but they've got so much money in this and Fox is so invested in this. I don't think Fox have any real idea of how bad and how deep the rot is set. Mm. Like in terms of it from a creative perspective, you mentioned about Bischoff earlier on not doing anything. It's Bruce Pritchard in there. It's still fundamentally where does Shorty Gable come from, for God's sake? It's like he couldn't get that mighty mouse thing out of his fucking <laughs> system. With with pack, shorty, he had to do this, yeah, and it's yeah, and it's all done for the whims of a seventy-three-year-old loon. Talking of that absolute slimeball Stephanie McMahon, oh. I could have used worse words and language. Um, should I? You know what? Cunt, Stephanie McMahon. There we go. Um, <laughs> We're so woke, everyone. Oh, she's just the worst. She's she horrible. Is. I'm she convinced is. she's an evil person. I'm convinced her and Vince went to classes that teach you how to speak corporate language and turn tears on at any moment. Mm. I honestly swear to God. Why did Vince cry when the Ultimate Warrior died, for example? It felt so ingenuine when I saw that interview of him and he was crying. I've seen Stephanie cry on demand before. Last time I think I saw a clip of her was when I had to watch this clip where they apologised to the fans for letting them down because they'd not been performing to their best. And she turned on the most fake corporate empathy I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And people fall for this shit. Ah, just what's wrong with people? They still applaud them when they come out, don't they? Ah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. They come out and like all of us who, I I hate the, you know, the, 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 the old internet argument of the people who do this are the same people who do that. But, the, the types of fans that will boo a Roman or will boo the shit that they put on TV and chant AEW, it's it's a sad fact. Vince McMahon will walk out and he'll still get a major pop. Like, that's the man you should yeah. be booing. Stephanie's the person you should be booing. Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's it's the old uh, old go-to, isn't it? Bring it wheeling out. That's when they should be going on their piss break. Yeah. Just start leaving en masse. Yeah. But it'll never happen. Uh, people are doing it instead when uh, when Seth Rollins is in there, which actually, to be honest, I get a little bit of Schadenfreude out of because I, I don't know if you're the same as me, uh, Joe, but like I I I was never a Seth Rollins guy. I was I was never ever a Tyler Black guy, and like him, the, the amount of shit that like firstly he should t- somebody should take his Twitter account away from him. This week he was defending the uh, the Bray Wyatt finish, saying that it was a uh, it was a no contest, not a DQ, and saying somebody said something like, "Oh, oh right, sh- should they have uh, ended Undertaker?" 
speaker of mankind then when uh, when mankind got thrown over the cell off the cell and he replied something like well mankind's career would be longer if they did and it's just that you fucking schmuck he's like the for me right now he's the poster boy of just the, this bad mm-hmm. wwe where like you know, you can say one thing for Shorty Gable not pushing back and just saying, you know what? No, my name's Chad Gable or fuck off. I'm not doing this bad creative. Someone like a Seth Rollins, don't you think he should be stepping up and saying, you know, this this finish where Bray Wyatt's dragging me to hell or I'm kicking too much ass, so you're going to call it call a DQ or a no contest or whatever. Surely he's the type of wrestler who, who's got enough clout that he could stand up and say no. Nah, the, none of them are these days, are they? They're Not all shitting funny. themselves. It's all about the brand. It's all about putting the brand over. It's all about making sure the brand is number one and showing how indebted you are to the brand for giving you a livelihood, paying your bills and putting dinner on your table at the end of the day. And that's what Seth Rollins has done. He's bought fully into the WWE bullshit at the end of the day, and he can't resist. He feels to me like he's one of those, like, ignorant idiots who has to convince themselves that they're doing right and they're doing the right thing and they're doing well mm. so they basically convince themselves they believe a pile of bullshit i see it all the time i've seen it in workplaces i've been before where people basically just try and spin bullshit that's put to people in a workplace and you're like nah you can't spin that like i can see through that like question that and i sort of just lose respect for that person because they've got no credibility at the end of the day because they're prepared to just eat shit and pass down the message of shit to people and Seth Rollins is exactly the same at the end of the day and yeah I can't think of my interest in a wrestler falling based on his kind of loyalty dedication and idiocy based around a really out of touch unfashionable uninteresting mess of a company at the end of the day imagine if in wcw in 2000 i don't know let me think of an example uh goldberg was saying this about wcw i don't think it would have happened would it it's just and goldberg was naive as fuck i think Mm. seth rollins has shown himself to be pretty thick to be Mm. honest that's it, yeah. And, like, the, the types of fans who would normally support a Seth Rollins are just turning on him in droves to the point where he's getting booed in arenas now. I don't know I don't know about it being t- 2000, WCW, I feel like it's... I think I heard on Observer Radio talking about it, saying it's, like, it's more like 98 WCW, and I agree mainly because of the fact that we're getting the real athlete crossover stuff, you know, Tyson Fury coming in and getting paid 12... Was it, was it something like 1,200... 12 million, something like that, is it? 12 million. 12 million altogether. 12 million. Yeah, to do uh, Crown Jewel. uh, Which (laughs) That should make a Seth Rollins or someone. But again, it's... Yeah. Is that the biggest payout for one single wrestling match ever? Mm -hmm. 12 million. Did Mayweather get a percentage of the buy rate at all? Yeah, I would have guessed Floyd got more. Yeah, of a funny thing, he might have got more possibly through. I could be wrong, but mm. let let's find out. Twelve fucking million. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? Is he worth it? No, and especially no. the way they present. Did you see that any of the press conference where they were just like woodenly just doing? Do we? They got Tyson Fury, who's got like natural real life charisma and draws people into his big stuff, and Kane Velasquez, who maybe doesn't have that charisma, but you can understand it with someone like him. But they've got Tyson Fury like doing stage WWE pull apart of Braun Strowman, where they're tapping each other on the shoulder and they're. Ugh, it's just they, they can't help but overproduce everything. Like you're paying you're paying that much money for not even what like what you know he brings to the table in the first place. Do you know what this says to me? Well, Give up any hope 
because the WWE can't get one of the most charismatic men in the world over as a baby face. They can't do it. They can't make anyone. They can't make anyone look appealing. Mm. They're incapable of doing it because they're kind of confined by these parameters that they put up and they refuse to break down mm. and they won't let Tyson Fury do it. Like, just give up. What's yeah. the point? Yeah. You know, you know what? I've, t- I've turned around. Mike Bennett, he's a good man. He- he's made the good call there trying to make this shit show of a company. Uh, fucking hell. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, there's your Smackdown review, everyone. It was shite. <laughs> and I don't think we're going to be reviewing, t- reviewing weekly WWE, at least main roster TV, uh, going forward at any point. But better than that, you guys uh, both, I've only seen, I saw the whole, well, first half of Smackdown, at least the majority of it, but I haven't seen the, the whole of this show. Maybe I should have uh, invested my time better, but I believe you've, uh, you both, uh, did you did you watch King of Pro Wrestling Live or did you yep. uh, Oh, I saw I'm on my lunch break at work yesterday. JP had gone home ill, so I didn't have anyone to entertain me on lunch. So oh, no. uh, I You're saw okay, that I'm feeling much better today. I've only got a cold left now. Oh, my man flu, it, it nearly killed me, but oh. you know. He survived. Yeah. He watched Sonada Ricarda and it hurt him right up. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> oh you, you warned me not to watch that one, Joe, and well, I'm taking you. I'm, I'm heeding your warning on this one. Never mind the well, uh, it, the grapple rate now. I think it's like three point seven five or something right now. I'll double check. It's, it's it was starting when I went to lunch, mm. and I was like, you know what? I can sneak away and find a room and just watch this while I eat my lunch. And I am a lunch while it was going on. The first minute was exciting. Yeah. Then it lulled into the usual Sonata Ricarda match, and then I was kind of bored, and I thought, you know, I've got that bit of marking I can do. I'll do the marking while I'm watching this. So it was background viewing for marking and I didn't feel like I needed to give it my full attention because what I gave it was enough and it was the same Sonata Okada match that I saw in the New Japan Cup and then just after that. The G1 match was very good. Mm. This one was just back to the same old boring formula match, except Okada pulled out an awesome-looking Michinoku driver-style move towards the end, which I quite liked. But other than that, I wouldn't go your way to watch this one. Is this a problem right now in New Japan? Like, how many times have they gone back to this match? Mm-hmm. Like... These la- I mean, four this year. Uh, there's so many good. We, there are good things on these shows. We're going to talk about some of them in a minute. I don't want to turn into a big New Japan home fest, but there is <laughs> something very blase, isn't there, at the moment about like some of these cards thrown. It's this period. It's this shitty period between G1 and Wrestle Kingdom. It it kills me off every time. But is it me? Does it just seem especially kind of uninspired uh, right now? At least at the very top end of the card. It's pre-season. Mm. It's pre-season. We got the G1. We got the end of a league season. We got uh, Royal Quest. We got the Champions League final in Suzuki and Okada. That was great. The season was over. We're now in the pre-season. Mm. We're getting through these pre-season months. You know, we've got this junior tag stuff coming up. I'll yeah. dip into that. And we're just waiting for the season to kick off once again with that big Tokyo Dome weekender. Mm. And then, then we're all good again. Yeah. And it's off. I can imagine that. I, I think this year has been the year because of Kenny Omega leaving, and we spoke about this in shows a while back. Um, it messed up a lot of the booking, yeah. particularly at the top of the card. Gozo and, and Sonata have of, really reaped those rewards, haven't they, this year? And and they gave Jay, Kenny Omega's storyline to yes. Jay White this year, and that's a downgrade. Yes. In a big is. way. And so I think there's been, I mean, love the G1, I, but it's, you know, I can think of other ones that I've seen that I have preferred on on a, on a personal level, but it feels like quite often 
and I think this is the problem with this show as well, where it feels like you're getting into the dome, because of these two main events, the outcomes never felt in doubt at all. Mm. And you've got them headlining here. And there's more interesting matches they could do if you think that the outcome is going to be inevitable. However, it drew a slightly bigger house than last year, which is obviously, that's the business they go on. So that's when you get into the, how much does, Sakar, uh, does Sonada mean? What was, the, what was the main event of the show this time last year? I can't remember. Oh, God. It would have been... It would have been Omega in the main event, I'm assuming. Yeah. Was it Omega Ishii? I think it was. Yeah. Possibly. I remember they did that because Ishii beat him in the G1. They had that that's yeah, right. incredible match in the G1. And the rematch was pretty good afterwards. Not mm. quite as good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at it but now. It, it was, a, it was, oh, it was that three-way Omega, Cody, Ibushi. Was that oh, that wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's a funny show this one because it, this year in particular, we, we you know me and Joe were talking about this before we were starting to record that it just it's a year where the the booking has been slightly off. Things haven't perhaps worked as well as they've wanted to do. Here, obviously, this weekend they had the the, the issue with the typhoon hitting that meant there was no Zach and there was no Moxley. And so they managed to kind of get around that. But it did also feel to me, and I heard Melt to say this, and I have to say, I was thinking about this at the time, crowd seemed dead. Crowd didn't seem really up for this on a level that I would have expected. So, um, yeah, it, it, with this Akada Sonata match, when I got back, because I was feeling really ill, it was starting on as, as soon as I got back, I went, oh, okay. Mm. So I put it on. I was quite excited for that one minute, even though I was feeling like death. And then he got into the boar stretch and I fell asleep and woke up three hours later. <laughs> Perfect cure for if you want to have a yeah. nap. And then I'm sure you I felt missed better. a message from Joe saying, 37 minutes long, good final five. And so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I didn't pay anywhere near the amount of attention <laughs> that I should have done. Three point, three point. I managed to catch up in it. I think I went three and a half. Yeah, three point eight eight is the average on Grapple. It's one of those matches. I'm, I'm pro- I, I've got to be honest. I'm probably gonna end up never watching. But I imagine if I watch it, I go, Same. you know what? Three point seven five. Fair enough. Because you you you've kind of know what's happening in front of you. It is technically mm. good wrestling. You just don't want to sit through it. I don't know if that makes. I don't know what that means. It's still good or not. But it almost feels like people feel like they have to give it those ratings. As I'm looking through the uh, the ratings now, and there's a lot of four stars in there. It's a it's a good match and obviously there's going to be that sort of variance in opinion but my god I find it very hard to think that this is in any way really different to anything else outside of that first couple of minutes and the card are going for the drop kicks and keeping on missing and there was sort of like this kind of sprint I thought are they going to do something with the pace I was like please god do something with the pace mm. and then it went back to the usual and it's like yeah that's I love Akada, but he's got to change the formula up a little bit mm. and I do think the Sonada matches have almost led to us being being a bit, maybe a little bit down on Akada mm. generally this year, and he does fall into that formula with him. Sonada just doesn't excite me. Mm. I just find everything Sonada does kind of dull, and I really, really dislike that move where he puts someone in a ball. What's mm. it called again? I can't think what it's called. Yeah, the thing Rocky Paradise Lock. I prefer when Jack Gallagher does it. At least it was kind of funny on an indie. Like I don't need to see that in a New Japan main yeah. event. It kills Sonata, the match, doesn't it? Yeah, Sonada and Evil can do one. Mm. I'm kind of bored of them. Uh, yeah. Ah, they can do one. What What would you miss if Evil went? Well, it's not so much that I don't mind Evil as much, and I don't know. I preferred Ibushi Evil to this because I think there's. Mm. I was that. I haven't seen that one. 
I haven't. I'm up to that match. Well, I, I went back and watched the rest of the matches. I got I, to that match. I haven't seen it yet. I went four stars on it. I mm, thought it was good. Average. It didn't help with that crowd. I think they had a better match in the G1, um, but it was generally good. I think it was better than the Akada Sonata match. Mm. And it's just interesting. Again, Ibushi's working that slightly different style. Um, the points towards. I mean, obviously in the hot stretch towards the end that. Um, there were some great near falls, sort of really good at lariat exchanges. There was, there was some really good stuff in there as well, but a lot more sort of less risky stuff for Ibushi, who I assume is saving it all for the dome where he's going to sort of rip fucking loose, I hope. But, mm. Um, but yeah, if you're going to watch one of the two, I'd say watch Ibushi Evil. It's mm. certainly a fresher match. I'd definitely watch uh, Osprey Fantasmo. I thought that was yeah. excellent. Make sure you... Go out your way to watch that one, Benno. That was the best match on the card, if you ask me. Mm. It was a mad 28 minutes where they just did a fuckload of stuff. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> told a really good story at points. Got some really annoying interference at a point as well, but kind of worked. They set up before the match, but it did take away a little bit, I thought, from what was actually a great match up until that point. Some layered storytelling, I suppose. You got the stuff with Gino Gambino and Osprey, where yeah. something happened with him in Australia. Yeah, uh, the MCW show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he threw Robbie Eagles. No, sorry, Robbie Eagles. He threw Phantasmo uh, onto Juicy mm. Gambino at one point. Mm. Got some good interference with Robbie Eagles. Eagles to build the tag uh, junior tag league stuff. So uh, yeah, he did a wild dive onto Ishimori on the outside. Awesome. It looked really great. Good. It was like a cannonball to the outside, and when he landed on him, it's just like he should have really hurt himself, but inexplicably he came out fine. Yeah, both guys were absolutely up for this mm. though. I love that spot where Osprey when they went up on the balcony as well. Oh yeah, they were teasing coming off the balcony, and Osprey did a kind of he did a he was like hanging off, off the balcony in two parts, but it was still yeah. quite cool. That was an awesome spot with her um, Oz cutter from the guardrail yes. onto the floor as well. Which Fantasmo cool. stood on the apron at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So there was some really cool stuff in there. Um, it's probably the best match those two have had together, I'd say. I sort of went, I think I went 4.25 on that one. Could have gone four and a half at the interference, a slightly better crowd. Definitely mm. a match to go out your way for, I'd say, on that one. Just a hot, really fun match where you're getting your money's worth from. Uh, our man Will Ospreay once again. He just can't help but put put a shift in. Yeah. Are you surprised he kept the belt on him? Yeah. I yeah, was. I was. I was kind of hoping that come that the Tokyo Dome was going to kind of be his time to shine. Mm. But then it makes you wonder whether or not, because they've got the two nights, they do something with him on the fifth, maybe have him and Hiromu mm. in a match at the Dome if he comes back which seems to have gone all quiet in Yeah, in it's the, weird. That is. How long has it been now? What, 18 months? Something like that? Uh, has it been over a year? I mean, it must have been over a year at this at this point. Um, it, it was June last year. It was June last year, yeah. Um, I don't know. Sort of, There was a point where it seemed like he was coming back. Mm. There was like a lot more noise and he does his, his kind of the sporadic social media posts and then it seems to have quieted down again. Mm. But this is kind of the thing is, you know, New Japan keep their cards pretty close to their chest when it comes to this kind of stuff. So God knows. Mm. I thought in some ways he was going to appear on this show, like as sort of someone to bring back to on the way to Tokyo Dome. So I was halfway expecting to see him kind of like the way that Shibata appeared. Um, mm. Was it? Did he appear at King of Pro Wrestling show? Uh, I, I think when he came out in 2012. Mm. No, no, no. When he came out, like in, after the injury, after the, I want to say, 
It would have been 2018. G1 final, wasn't it? No, it was the G1 oh, final. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It was. But yeah, I thought he might appear in front of the live crowd, but that never happened, which I suppose that's the thing fundamentally with this show is for a show that seemed as big, it didn't necessarily seem particularly eventful. We got we got the big lager like moment Suzuki though. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, that was that that I saw. I love that. Like that was like the yeah. that for me was like I love the match, but it was as much about like the pre and post match, wasn't it? Like the uh, the big entrance for for battle lager, like in his like my god, is that man in shape? Like <laughs> unbelievable. Jesus. Like considering considering he covers up so much, like unless he's like in the last few months just got himself ready for his last uh, last few months working. He looked absolutely incredible, but that was brilliant. The post match was incredible with like. With Suzuki bowing to him, but like the match itself as well, it was just Liger throwing everything he had at Suzuki, and the right results happening. Suzuki almost putting him, putting him out of his misery there in the match as well. I thought he told told an awesome story, and like this was this felt like hugely memorable to me. This is the type of match you, you you'll definitely still be thinking of. Uh, maybe it's not going to be on your your match of the year ballot at the end of the year, but you will be thinking about it at that time. Well, they made the match feel special and they made it feel unique mm. and it stood out. Um, it wasn't actually the match I thought it was going to be. It was a little bit different mm. than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a bit mm. wild than what yeah, it was. It wasn't a brawl, was. really, was it? It was a wrestling match. There was yeah. a hint to it. Yeah. Written, I'm not saying middle of the match, but there was a point it went to the outside and I thought it was going to be more of that at that point. It's yeah. going to become some standard wild Suzuki, ball. though, wasn't it? Kind of what he does <clears> every match. Yeah. It was a bit more restrained and disciplined than I thought it was going to be. But there was some really cool stuff in there and it built really well. It was paced well considering the age of both guys and what they wanted to achieve with the match. And it felt like the high point of the show in terms of emotion, in terms mm-hmm. of engagement as well. Um, I just don't know what, what is Liger going to go for his last match? I saw they announced that tag match, didn't they? The eight man where they're bringing back like Naoki oh, Sana, Fujinami yeah. and mm. guys from his career. But yeah, I think well. he's, yeah, he's wrestled on the fifth as well, isn't he? But that, that'll be like the final singles match, won't it? Uh, mm. Apparently against an opponent he's never faced. So I, I'm, I'm thinking of Carter. If Akada loses on the fourth, I could see Liger Akada. I could see maybe l- the loser of Ibushi Akada faces Liger on the fifth, possibly. Have they done Liger Tanahashi before? I don't know. That was the other one I was thinking of. Liger has been in G1s before. Hmm. So I'm wondering if he's been in. Uh, if, was he been in the G1 that Tanahashi was in? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure uh, WH Park or someone who, you know, knows their. New Japan history a little bit more would be able to let us that, know that feels have. like the match because he feels like the one he'll be at a loose end you know that, that's a good that's a good match for both of them as well isn't it yeah and I think the pace you could do in that match would work as well possibly mm-hmm. and how you could lay that one out yeah I think that would work I think I read something as well I can't, I can't remember if it was WH or somebody else talking about how like if you go back all the decades lag has worked in like he's he's just about as well with his retirement sneaking into one extra decade uh, on, on January 4th January 5th because yeah that, that can count as uh, as much as people are forgetting and we've not seen much uh, best match of the decade or best rest of the decade talk uh, in the last few weeks it's got to be a fresh decade the the 2020s so like if he can sneak in there another another great lager match like how, what does that say for the uh the career he's had yeah exactly and if he goes out in a big match against say an Akada or a Tanahashi I'm sure we'll go out by having a great match in the 2020s as well mm-hmm. so, so he starts the 20s and what would that be his fourth decade so yeah mm-hmm. great stuff I reckon you've got me onto some of their better perhaps we should do a <clears throat> wrestler and match of a decade at some point on air, possibly. Not for it. Sponsored by Grapple. Maybe get Jamesy involved or something. 
Possibly, we could have a think about it. Yeah, definitely. Didn't talk about that. Uh, was there anything, uh, anything else on the show then that uh, you'd recommend people go out the way to see? Um, I'd say that was about it, to be honest. It was. Uh, I'd say Lance Archer, Juice Robinson was all right. It was all right. It wasn't as good as I was hoping it would it was, be. They stuck to the gimmick too much. They yeah, were too, they did. That's one of the, one of those matches. It reminded me like a WWE or a TNA gimmick match where they feel like they've got to fulfil the gimmick mm-hmm. rather than using it just go a bit mm. wild yeah. and just wrestle a normal match in a bit <laughs> of a wild way. It's like there, no, you know what I mean. It's like you don't need yeah. to do it. Yeah, it was yeah. like, right, must use this stack of chairs, must use this chair a bit more because it's a gimmick match. It was mm-hmm. like, nah, just do Lance Archer with a little bit of weaponry in there occasionally. And it wasn't as good as I was hoping, to be honest, but I'm glad Archer's got the belt. He Me deserves too. it. Mm-hmm. And let's hope we get a few wild Lance Archer matches coming up as well. Definitely. That's it. I mean, I, I I would hope in some ways he'd be a great person to have, like, headlining some of those smaller Corican shows. Mm-hmm. You'd know? be in for a shout with your wrestler of the decade as well, won't he? Just think of the amount of TNA shit that's going to be your <laughs> rock and rave. Yeah, yeah. Oh, tag team of the decade is definitely him and Kid Cash. I mean, that's oh, come not on. even in. No, was that in this decade? Sure. No, it wasn't in this decade. It was in like 2005. <laughs> My God. We're old, God, I feel old. <laughs> How long's he been around? Jeez. Oh, what a man. Were, were you, um, yeah. what do you think of the Moxley stuff? Like, I. Uh, it made me laugh. People trying to make it some kind of AEW conspiracy theory when Kevin Kelly barely made it to the show himself. What was it? Ten minutes before, apparently. Zack Sabre yep. Jr. wasn't there either because of the... Is it a typhoon happening in there? It was a typhoon, right yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think there's any story there, but maybe... I mean, and they do this a lot, don't they? When uh, when someone can't make it, they uh, they just strip them of the belt. Didn't it happen to yeah. uh, Maccabay uh, a couple of years ago? I'm sure I read something That's about right. that with an ever belt. But I do wonder, though, like... Uh, it does Moxley come back? Because I did kind of think this was his last... It felt like this might be his last New Japan appearance, like he was going to come in and drop the belt to, to Juice anyway. Uh, I don't know. Did, did you see him uh, coming back and wanting to, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe have that match with Juice at least before he uh, he moves on to AEW full-time? I think he wants to do a match at the Dome. I think in terms of that bucket list true, stuff, yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll want to do. I, I always thought the Dome seemed like the natural place for him to kind of finish up mm. um, there's, there's the rumours at Jericho doing the Tokyo Dome show that's as right well, so mm. what was the rumour of who Jericho Tanahashi ah oh, right yeah you could do that one of the days yeah and again I was hoping there'd be a video promo of, of something like that kind of leading for Tanahashi he was second on the card mm. well we've got we got the November show to come yep. was it third power, November? power struggle power yeah. struggle yep so I'm sure we'll get some announcements mm. and a good bit of stuff on there and then the year sort of finish off with the tag league tournament Meh. Well, I, t- so I heard someone say it'd be great to get a, you know, because I don't think Aussie Open are going to be. A day- is Mark Davis going to be back by that? Yeah, point? no, he said he put on Twitter today. Apparently, got his results, and it's uh, I can't remember the exact word he used, but it was it sounded like it's going to be months and months and months before he's back. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. oh god, yeah, it's devastating. Got it for him. Oh, I was wondering if there was going to be UK representation that maybe the new uh, Rev Pro Tag Champions, Rampage Brown and Great O'Connor, <laughs> was to go thing? over the Tag League. I'm up for that. That's Great O'Connor in his yeah. trunks. Like, oh, I saw the images of that and like, there isn't much that's making me feel like watching Rev Pro right now, but that 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 did get me interested. Like, yeah. I can't say I've ever really cared for Rampage Brown. In fact, I think he's one of the most overrated guys in the UK. I've never got the Big oh, deal he's, about he's a worker's people... worker. He's bang average. Like he's. But people get really excited for him and act as if he's this great talent that we've produced. And I've always been like, is he sort of freestyle special? Like he's UK fine. Randy Orton. 
Yeah, in many ways. I like um, the idea of him in a tag team, though. Yeah, but th- as a tag team, I'm kind of like, ah, I'm all right with this. This is kind of fun. Char yeah. Samuels and Gideon Gray as their sort of like one and two as well. I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. Who else in that stay? Was it Char? Yeah, Char Samuels. And, yeah. yeah. That's, I I wouldn't mind seeing that. It looks, looks like O'Conn's been, uh, he's been certainly off that Portsmouth grub. As he, he, he looks like up. he's shaped up a bit. I look forward to seeing him on the next cockpit show. <laughs> I'm gutted I missed his comeback, but you know. The rest of that show looks shite, so I'll live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I suppose we were just talking about uh, Moxley, so we should probably get into our uh, our AEW talk. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, we all saw the TV last week. I don't know what your thoughts on week two. It was a uh, bit of a, a fall in the uh, the ratings this week. What did they go mm. from 1.4 to 1.1 million, uh, if you include the uh, the showing on that, that secondary channel that they were on as well, True TV, was it? Um, yeah, that's bit right. Of, bit of a disappointment there, but as far as the show goes, I thought they kind of kept things go, going along nicely. I don't think it was all perfect. There's a couple of things I didn't love, one of which I imagine we're going to spend plenty of time on, but there was a lot to love on the show. That Bucks tag, that Jericho promo, another good show from AEW. Yeah, I think naturally you're going to fall in week two after the sort of the curiosity rating that you're kind of going to probably get in week one. And I'm not necessarily sure that it's a terrible, terrible fall, to be honest with you. I imagine a lot of people might have caught up with it on DVR as well. And you know what? They're doing, did over a million viewers still. So I think yeah. there's plenty to be positive about there, if oh, anything. TNA um, spike numbers still, isn't it? That's like that. what TNA was doing at its peak. Yeah, and you know, you've got to build that audience a little bit more as well. TNA also had the likes of Hogan when they mm. were doing that sort of number, True. you know. So mm. we haven't got that advantage Although, here as well. Hey, Jer- Jericho is the age Hogan was when he won the last WWF title. That is a trivia note I like to pull out a lot. Jericho's in the Hogan slot now. And I'd much rather see Jericho all day than Hulk Hogan, I'll say that for it. Especially Hulk Hogan when his ego was out of control still, when he couldn't rest and he could hardly walk, and he was doing blade jobs at 65 years old or whatever he was against (laughs) Ric Flair. That Hogan running TNA was an absolute disgrace looking back on it. Uh, But yeah, I thought this was a really fun show again. I was with it the whole way through for the most part. Um, For the most part. Yeah, for the most part. There's a couple of points where... My interest did wane a little bit, but I think there's naturally probably going to be peaks and troughs week to week. Um, mm. How often had did Raw, when it was two hours, keep me with it the entire week? You know, it's it's going to happen. There are going to be guys that are going to feature girls as well that I'm not going to be that interested in. And yeah, that did happen at points, but I came out of this show again feeling good about the company. Um, I thought the opening was great, and I thought the close was great as well. That's so I thought the two most important parts of the show, in kind of having a hot opening and a hot ending with a bit of a cliffhanger, worked really effectively. If anything, mm. yeah, I think that. Yeah. Uh, I think the the, the, the good the kind of getting that nitro aesthetic of like the, the the Tony Schiavone we're out of time kind of thing at the end of the show with the the big brawl and the the reason to kind of tune in next week I like the, you can't do that every week so hopefully you know week three they come up with something fresh but I do think they're getting those things right and yeah I love that private party young boss match I think I gave it four on grapple I don't know where same yeah mm. that was a that was basically the main event as far as like in ring goes it's the best in ring match we've seen on the show so far uh, I thought you know we we talk going in and i still don't i mean they're not acknowledging that the young bucks and that are vice presidents as much as i thought they would uh but it's still kind of in the back of everyone's mind and i do wonder whether yeah the bucks 
wanting to put like a young team over here is maybe that in their mind a bit that you know they don't want to look like they're they're going over the young guys all mm. the time so maybe there's an argument that maybe they're overcompensating there but as far yeah, as I think they are as far as making another team I think it worked but you know that goes to a, a bigger issue maybe I've got slight issue I've got with the show overall in that yeah maybe they should be spending a bit more time establishing the books and establishing you know who their stars are before you do these these big losses as good as it was and as much as I enjoyed the match yeah I'm completely with you there Ben I I was absolutely in shock at the finish of the match like as it was going I was thinking to myself this is really good private party are getting over this Mm. is kind of the perfect match to get them over they're doing exactly what they need to do and in my head, I was booking the return match. <laughs> I was booking a storyline. I was thinking, right, yeah. you have a maybe lose at a couple of points over the year. You have private party get a shot of the belts, go really close again. And then maybe in like mm. a year or so, you have private party go over the bucks in some way. And it's this big moment as they've managed to finally go over the unbeatable, excellent young bucks to confirm that they've kind of put their stamp on this and they're a legit tag team. I thought this was that bit too early. It felt like, you know, when John Cena went over uh, Jericho in like 2002 mm. and Jericho was being really generous after he was just champion. It felt sort of to me like that on a different sort of way mm. when he just come up from OVW and it just felt like the Bucks, like you said, have been being too generous. They're maybe a bit too um, self-conscious about how they're going to be perceived by people who, you know, will have in the back of their minds that they're the VPs of this promotion. Mm. And I just think at this point they need to establish that they are the guys. They are the best tag team in the world. They are a tag team that can main event shows if you need them to main event shows. They're a main event act. Mm. And losing an opener to a team like Private Party, who are as good as they can be, considering they've been wrestling for, what, two years. Mm. Excellent for a team that have been in for that long. I just thought that it was maybe a little bit of sort of short-sightedness in terms of what they're going to do to themselves. For me... They should have been winning this um, with the Melter driver, going over, having a bit of a curtain call possibly with Private Party, and then they should have been winning this tournament. They should have been put having a match with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, where they do the same for them and kind of make them as an act, if anything. And then they should have been going on to the final, winning this and facing LAX and a big feud afterwards. That's the way I would have booked it. Booking 101, get the Bucks over, get two young teams over in the kind of meantime as well. And then we can come back to private party down the line. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure on private party now, isn't it, as well, to deliver in the rest of this tournament to a level that I'm not sure they're at yet. Although, I, you know, I am, you know, JP, I'm definitely thinking they're going to get there eventually. I do. I mean, I think it's a couple of years away and you want to build up for that for the biggest possible moment. It was funny, at the time I was kind of okay with it. I had somewhat expected it just because I thought they weren't going to go back to the Bucks versus um, Lucha Brothers again. So I had assumed that that them, that them one of those two teams was losing and that perhaps they wanted to go. And I, this is where I agree with the overcompensation, that they thought that the team that they're going to go with, first of all, is Lucha Brothers and then go with that Lucha Brothers LAX feud as well after I think after they, I think they're going to go to the Bucks LAX mm. I think they're going to go to that straight it away it certainly should be what three ways really between those three teams as the mm. big three teams that they yeah, have I can see what you mean. As, as long as it is they're fundamentally at the top of it you can then start to discuss what you know headlining pay-per-views with those three teams yeah doing some sort of wild batshit match I think they could come up with some really great stuff oh, for sure. but 
but yeah, I, I can, but I completely understand the idea that they that they are overcompensating for it as well. Um, yeah, because it feels like they were trying to make them, but I don't think they're made yet. I think no. they've still got a way to go, and I think that was the thing they were maybe overthinking in their yeah. own minds. Mm, yeah, that's it. It's like a, it's going to be a, a short term boost to another team, but again, yeah, I think that's it. I think they're definitely. The thing, I think that the, the problem we've got right now, like like you kind of underline there, Joe, is that that they are the thinking in terms of well, people or people already know us. We're 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 the stars. Let's put the young guys over and like let's all be honest. Like you know, if this show's doing one point one million even every week, like that's how many times the viewers have been the elite. How many mm-hmm. times the the number of people who are buying the pay per views? Like again, I just feel like you need to establish yourselves first. And I kind of I don't want to skip ahead too much, but I kind of feel the same way about Omega as well. Like yeah, same coming out with his fucking barbed wire broom. Like I know that's an in joke for anyone who likes being the elite, but if you don't know who Kenny Omega is and he's just coming out with a he's got a broom that's wrapped in barbed wire, like. I feel like they should, they're not doing a very good job of establishing exactly who he is. Uh, I enjoyed the Moxley match on the show as well. I feel like they could be doing more to to capitalise on the fact that they've got John Moxley. Like, yeah, they, they're taking it as a given that people have, you know, when he made his debut at the uh, at the pay-per-view, at, was it Double or Nothing, the, his debut, when he came in there? Yep. Like, and it was a big moment and we had the big podcast and we had all, like, the fallout there that everyone watching this TV show is kind of aware of that and aware that John Moxley's an AEW wrestler because at no point are they giving him the mic. At no point. He's, he's cut a Twitter promo, but at no point have they had John Moxley, mm-hmm. like, cap- this is Dean Ambrose on another promotion's TV. And there's something to be said for just making him a regular member of the roster, but he feels a little bit like a regular member of the roster, having him out on this show, uh, having a solid enough, and I've seen, I've seen people go very good on it, but I thought it was solid enough match with with, uh, with Sean Spears. It was a good match, but I'd much rather have him out there cutting an impassioned promo about being in AEW now and that, you know, you're going to get the real John Moxley and all that stuff. I don't know, are you with me on that one? Because like, I think we, we'll get it this seen? week. Do you reckon? Mm. I hope so. Yeah. We really, they need to, show After three, get it this week, show three really. opens with a John Moxley promo, I shut up about it, but... Uh, maybe maybe it's a casualty the fact that they had this Sean Spears match advertised weeks in advance and they're trying to sell shift mm. tickets for the live shows. Maybe they're hamstrung by that. Hopefully we get there eventually. But yeah, I do feel like they could be doing a better job of establishing, and I'm really enjoying the shows, establishing who the books are, establishing who Kenny is, and establishing that we've got John Moxley, you know, the biggest free agent in wrestling. At least he was a few months ago. Look, I think um, after week one, our man Tony Khan put, put the old mitten down, stopped wanking them dogs off, <laughs> and he listened to some of the feedback. So I think based on the feedback from week one and little changes there were, especially around like referee bumps and stuff in week mm. two, I think he's got an ear to the ground in this. I think, you know, he knows that there's a hardcore base he's serving as well as a big mainstream base that he needs to try and capitalise on and get watching this show. And I can see Moxley getting that time this week. I think that Hope promo so. that he did on Twitter was excellent. Oh, mm. Should have been on the show, just yeah, open, open the show with it, cold open. That'd work. One of one of my minor criticisms of the show is they could break it up a bit more with yeah. with a few promos. Yes. And I'm not necessarily talking about um like well, promos where you're kind of pretending the camera's not there, which Tone obviously doesn't like. But something like the Moxie promo, mm. the camera was tracking him the yep. whole time. It was like the tracking shot in Goodfellas, following him into the uh, arena, if anything, I thought. Especially when it was behind him at one point, yeah. Um, that goes out to all you Goodfellas fans out there, which I'm sure there are many of. <laughs> um, 
So I thought that you could have just put that on your TV and established that you're going to see John Moxley tonight. Open the show with that and then go to the opening titles. Would have been a cool way to do it, I think. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully we'll get it this week and hopefully we'll see his intensity and his delivery and we'll get a little bit more of a build for the Omega match. And hopefully Omega won't look like such a geek oh, this week. Such a nerd, isn't he? He looked like... I honestly think that they need to remember these guys that... Yeah, a lot of the guys in WCW and the Triple H of this world get criticism for not losing to younger guys. They weren't losing to younger guys at the end when they were broken down and shite. Mm. Like, look at Kevin Nash, for example, um, or Hogan when he went, when he lost to Billy Kidman or the rest of it. Mm. Like, these guys should have been losing far earlier. But at the beginning, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Hogan, Savage were winning matches because they were the stars. And people were watching for the stars. And at the moment, these guys need to be pretending this is 1996 and they need to be going over. And yeah, maybe when we get to 1999, they can start losing a bit and putting a few younger guys over possibly. Mm. That's when they need to do this. So I think, yeah, maybe just tone down the generosity a little bit, if anything. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's a fine line. I mean, there's so much more good about the show than there is kind of negative. But I have to say, I have to agree. It's a really fun show. You're watching it going... Uh, but the problem is we're not developing the character. We do need some promos. And you're thinking, well, you don't want too many promos because obviously that's the problem with WWE, a big part of the problem. I think it's the style of promo in WWE but it is. as well. Though. Yeah, it is. I mean, as with everything about that production. Right. I mean, at least this feels fresh. Oh, yeah. How good was the Jericho promo? Speaking of fresh. Oh, that was awesome. Was- so I've watched the Buck stuff and the Jericho stuff twice because I watched it mm. Saturday morning again with my girlfriend who thoroughly enjoyed the Jericho bit, said that she thought the Bucks match was kind of fun while she was eating her breakfast as well. So, yeah, a good bit of breakfast entertainment, those first two mm. segments. But, yeah, Jericho is hes close to a godlike figure in my eyes. <laughs> he's brilliant. I, I can't wait for, like, I didn't really, I don't, I don't love Jericho matches in 2019, but TV Jericho matches, I reckon I'm going to love. And I reckon yeah. the, the, if we get another promo out of him and if we get a, a, a match, you know, we get this match with him and Darby Allen. I'm really excited for what he can do there. It's like the grizzled old veteran against like this this young upstart who uh, who again you know on his little skateboard came across as uh, comes across as like just someone with maybe not he's not going to be the, the top star in the company but someone who's going to get like that underground appeal and it's going to going to appeal to a, a section of you know wrestling fans that maybe you know the old the Jeff Hardy sub fan base or those kind of fans who are going to oh yeah them. it's that younger demo. Like he is the kind of person who can connect in with that younger demo in a in an authentic way, not in a we're doing this deliberately because it's been market tested within an inch of its life. Of this is what our this is what WWE superstars should be doing, mate. I don't think None market of that tested. Stuff. I think it's something that appeals to one man and one man only. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. market. I think they try market. They do try market and, and then, then ignore the results. What's this of the fucking skateboard? The great dictator sees the market <laughs> yeah. test results and probably screws them up and throws them in the bin or throws them at the person. Yeah. for all the results in, <laughs> or just smashes the laptop over that person's head in a fit of roid rage possibly <laughs> while drinking a protein shake to chill be, out Darby Allen would be looking to get off 205 hours because he's a fucking weird <laughs> does he eat the bread steak. I can't imagine him eating bread Apparently, is that the thing he's eat steak every day steak wraps I think Cole Bowers told that story a couple of times where like he'd asked for a steak wrap and what it was it was a burrito but he just didn't know that's what they were called uh, yeah that's a uh, that, that, that's all it's but yeah he, the amount of red <laughs> meat he must be consuming uh it's yeah. like, it's that secret society stuff mate it's uh 
<laughs> drinking the blood of teenagers or something. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. the devil's work, whichever way we look at it, isn't it? But the Jericho promo yes. was uh, was yes. awesome, mm. and the fact you could tell straight away that he was loving it. Yeah, he was out. He there. got to say shit on telly. How excited was he about that? <laughs> Live, Mike. He could change things up on a whim, on the fly. Bury the swagger promo. Oh, obviously, oh. I loved that bit, the the bad creative line. I was thinking, oh, I hope Vince watches this because he's going to be, well, he might be choking this steak bloody round. Perhaps Jericho's going to finish him off. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, Jericho is God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jericho is the man. And Jericho is an example of someone who's being protected and he's winning matches. He's winning everything he's in. Mm. And that's the right move. And I think for the first year, while you establish this brand, get it over, Jericho should be winning at this point in time. And this is the mistake they're making with, say, Omega and the Bucks at this point in time. The other thing thing as well is is that the way he gave that bit of the time on the mic and got everyone in that faction over. I mean, we mentioned about the Hager stuff. I don't know how you guys feel about it. It felt like he was in a kind of a henchman role. I love the kind of zero mm. facials on him you as well. He ran away at the end, though, there. very quickly. He's a very shit henchman if he's a henchman. Like, they had That's him true. bailing out with the other but, heels, powdering out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to still... Give, yeah, give I'm giving this, it a chance. Give I'm this time. Chance. I'm excited about a Jericho heel stable. Fair enough. But it's got Jack Swagger in it. Uh, it's, give it a chance. Yeah, give it a chance. Nope. I've given Beno, him a chance stop, for Beno, that. stop being so closed-minded. I gave him it. a chance in WWE when he was the most mediocre champion of all time. Gave him a chance in Lucha Underground where he looked drunken like he shouldn't even be there. Gave yeah, him a chance in Impact. But, uh, it's still Jack Have Swagger. you given him a chance in Bellator yet? No. no. That's the thing. He only, that's, that's where it is. You could tell when Jericho was ripping into the We The People stuff. He, he did not look happy. You could see it in his eyes because he's still been using the We The People catchphrase in his MMA fights and on Twitter. Like, I, I just don't believe his heart's going to be in it, but, you know... This will be a bigger. This will be a bigger deal from in terms. Of, I don't know how much pay he's on from Bellator. I'm sure Meltzer will find out at some stage for it. But I can think that this is going to have. This should be taking precedence really at the moment for for what he does, and it's getting much higher TV ratings than Bellator does. I think Bellator's down around three, four hundred thousand. Yeah, Bellator's doing nothing. Mm. Yeah, their international expansion as well. I don't know. Their long term plan at the moment seems a bit all over the place. Um, yeah, going back to Swagger though, I'm or Hager. Mm. I'm trying to keep an open mind about it. I'm trying not to overthink it in many ways. I thought that his pose during the promo, the way he sort of held himself, was all pretty good. I thought the way the commentators spoke about him as well was pretty effective. I think Shivani has been absolutely excellent. I think Escalibur's good at uh, calling the matches. Jr. Meh. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it's a name. I felt, uh, did you hear Jim Cornette's comments today about Jimmy Havoc? Oh, my God. Yeah. What, <laughs> he said he looked like an AIDS victim or something, didn't he? Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Cody. Oh, what a man. There's, what a, what, man. Was, there's I, a man we can all agree on burying, James Havoc. My God, he should not be on television. He's bad, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, he this was, was one so of the, embarrassing. Yeah. Just not cut out for TV. No, he and should. He's not a big arena wrestler. No, he should be wrestling in small rooms in I don't know 
back streets in Coventry. shit old parts of the country. Yeah, Coventry, there's a good shout. Just drinking cans of shit Fosters, basically. Yeah. That's, that's, his, that's that, his role. That promo where He's, he was like budget British raven about how we're going to hear all like his sadness and his anger come out. And, oh, it's like, mate, you got, you got your chance here on TV and Darby Allen looked 10 times the prospect of you uh, basically doing a... Who will be able to fill your role? There's no reason for Jimmy Havoc to be signed. They've got Darby Allen. Like, they don't need yeah. him out there, you know, shitting it up in his fucking vest and his horrible look and his shite wrestling. Like, I just don't see what the... What's the upside in Jimmy Havoc in 2019? Like, he's still... He's dining off you know, is one match with, like, the best wrestler in the world in, okay, <laughs> in 2016 and feud. But at some point, like, you've got to deliver again. And it's been th- at least three years since Jimmy Havoc's de- delivered as far as I'm concerned. I feel like Cody Rhodes saw some old tapes and was like, oh, yeah, we'll have him. Saw the old Dexter promos from Progress. And, yeah, th- that's not the Jimmy Havoc that you, uh, you see in 2019. And, again, that was only a, a fleeting time in his career as it was. And he's only going to work if you base a really, really well-written, well-laid-out storyline around him. And what's the the point in investing in Jimmy Havoc on this level at this point Mm. in time? He doesn't offer enough. The value isn't there. The interest isn't there in him from that kind of mass audience. No one's looking for it. So as much as I love his progress character from sort of 2012, 13 through to 16, I think it's a great run. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing here that I think he offers. Whereas you look at Darby Allen and Darby mm. Allen looked fresh. His offense was great. It just little things like his movement, his look mm. and Jimmy Avick, you're watching thinking, God, the fact that you've wrestled these really bad hardcore matches forever, where you just shove lemon juice in someone's uh, fingers for a laugh and then have a beer mid match and just, you know, hang out at A and E for a few hours on a Friday night. It's kind of not worked out that well for you because you've not really improved as a wrestler. No. Kind of ever, to be honest, because put him in a regular match and it's just shit. What just regular Jimmy Havoc match has ever been good? You can't do a seven, eight minute match. They're just dull. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Go along with it. His cockpit matches when he was there when they first started running there, absolute shite. He's crap. He's shite. it's just yeah. bad. And we've been saying it back when we were a British wrestling podcast, and we'll say it now. Yeah. yeah for, for anyone who's not familiar, it doesn't get better from here. This is just Jimmy Havoc. Um, oh, he needs to just go find a bar. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Anything else on this, uh, this AEW show from, uh, from last week before uh, uh, tomorrow's show? Uh, I loved, I thought the women's match was pretty dull. If I'm honest with you, that mm. that one lost me a little bit. Same. Um, I thought Tully Blanchard needs to be the better act than Sean Spears. Yes. I'd yes. actually consider putting Tully Blanchard with the inner circle. 100%. I think he'd be awesome with, you imagine him with LAX and mm. I'm imagining him Jericho. in Jericho. He's JJ Dillon. He needs to be yeah. JJ Dillon or Paul E in the Dangerous Alliance. That's who he needs to be. Oh, and yes. these lot are loving their WCW throwback stuff. So oh, yeah. I, I think Tully Ali is the natural J.J. Dillon or Paul E. If, if you want to position oh. him there. Imagine him in a war games. G and the lads Just, up. Oh. Wasn't he meant to be buying the rights to the war games? No, no, no WWE no, bought it off MLW. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't oh. think he's going to get I know we talked about it, but I'm getting his dad's old uh, uh, stuff, but I don't think he was getting that. Ah, bollocks. Well, they've set it up perfectly, haven't they? Mm. If, if nothing else, that war games match between them. Oh. Good show. I think TV ratings wise, let's see. I mean, and I know in the UK as well. Yeah, what were the UK numbers? 
uh, UK numbers weren't particularly. I haven't seen any for this week, but um, effectively the ITV four showing the first one on the Friday that was eighty one thousand. God knows what the hub did, by the way. That would have been all over the, mm. the shop as well. Um, the Sunday morning one was 36,000. They've been that off already, slightly... yeah. Sorry? They've been off the Sunday morning one. They're not doing that. No, anymore. they have. It's, a, it's just not a slot that's going to work. No. It's, it's pointless. It's not I, worth the edit. I didn't watch it. Yeah. I mean, it clashed with the rugby, I must confess, but which I won't mention. But then the Monday one, the one that, Dave was going, Meltzer was going mad about, was the, uh, it did 279,000 for the, um, the hour highlight show that, that's on Mondays at 11.45 for an hour. I'm not sure, do ITV still have that, like, where it turns into kind of, not shopping, but yeah, games? Like games, Like yeah. casino games oh, so like and stuff? 2am or something, yeah. Yeah. On yeah. well, News 24s on the BBC. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it did 279 so they did well for that, which comparing it to to Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, but like Will said, I saw Will say, was anyone actually watching it though? Was this not just people falling asleep in front of ITV on Monday night? Probably. Possibly. But, we don't have a culture of late night TV here. Not, any, not, the not, not anymore anyway. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, at the same time, 279,000. Yeah, a few people were probably nodding off. Mm. I imagine Will would have been nodding off. But at the same time... <laughs> Uh, you know, of that 279,000, let's say 50% of them are watching this and are a bit more curious about it. That's not the worst at the end of the day. Mm. If you're going to come over as a live product and if you're looking to pick up the odd curiosity pay-per-view buy, mm. it's still a platform, it's still a solid enough time slot and there are still enough people dipping in. You know, I can't fall in asleep in front of a TV. I just can't. I don't ever just oh, fall can. asleep. Nah, I can't Very. do videos are the one for me. If Same. I watch like a YouTube show, I can fall asleep. I've never done it. Never done it. I was also going to say, we haven't spoken about the the main event angle. Oh, yeah. I thought as an angle, really well constructed, really well put together. Uh, I thought the match was fine. I thought Dustin Rhodes is just awesome for a bloke of 50. This, oh, this bloke's yeah. great. And he's going to bleed in a war games. And he's going to look great in a war games. It's I like think. the week of 50-year-olds between him, Suzuki, and Liger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. If they do a War Games in 2020, it's oh. going to probably be 28 years since he last appeared in a War Games. Oh, yeah, 90, 92. Sting Squadron in 92 against oh. Dangerous Alliance. I love yeah, that match so it. much. That? That's my favourite WWE match. That match. Yeah, great match. And I think, you know, it's almost like a full circle moment, possibly, for the natural, mm. if he gets that position. But I love the way they tease some of the different relationships here as well. The Cody save was great. Oh, the MJF stuff was freaking awesome. <laughs> I love the tease. I love the fact that afterwards when the Bucks came down, they were thanking MJF and MJF was fobbing them off <laughs> while you were sort of seeing how Cody was. Like, just oh. great, subtle little stuff. And Jericho, yeah, the faces were left standing and looked strong at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. The heels ran off, but Jericho was still there. Jericho was still standing at the end of the show. Drunk dad in the I bar still fighting. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how Jericho's kind of looking after himself at this moment in time. When Jericho starts looking a little bit weaker, I think it's really going to work and he's really going to establish. Mm. I think he's going to establish Darby Allen tomorrow with little hope spots, get him over a little bit. Mm. But when Jericho needs to go down, it's going to be a big moment, I'm sure of it. 
Definitely, definitely. And he's he, he's carrying himself like the big star that he is. Uh, and it's an we also haven't mentioned Darby Allen's skateboard spot. That was fucking awesome. Yes. Oh, I mentioned it before. Yeah, that was fucking. That was that was, that could have gone wrong very easily, <laughs> but it was perfect. It was perfectly timed. The big. They should have been replaying that. Oh yeah, they didn't replay it, and I thought that's something you need to replay and yeah. from multiple angles because that's that's a cool moment. It's the kind of thing you actually want to put in the opening credits, frankly. Yeah. yeah, possibly. Yeah. That's like the kind of thing you want to have in there as well. And I don't know if you guys saw when they did um, some of the, it was on the, um, like one of the roads to, it might be the road to double or nothing. They had stuff about Darby Allen in that. And want to see more of, the, of that on the show? Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Like the kind of story within the mm. straight edge stuff. And he's mm. mentioned he's shown all the skateboard stuff he does in the meantime. And he is an interesting person, an interesting character. Mm. And this appears to be as much about demos as much as anything else. And AEW is much better prepared to capitalise on that on that younger demo, mm. and certainly people like Darby Allen said before going to be the people to do it. Absolutely. Did you find any time to watch uh, NXT after this? Uh, I got to be honest, I, I, sk- I skipped through it. Yeah, nah. I just watched I, it and thought, God, I wish Shane Strickland signed with AEW and not NXT. That was my main takeaway. Right. I honestly think if AEW came around slightly earlier they would have got so many of those guys that NXT ended up picking up. If they had Shane Strickland, Trevor Lee, Trevor Lee, who I think would be a good TV wrestler, mm. um, Keith Lee, who I think they do a lot more with and get a lot more out of, if anything, mm. you've got such a good mid card there. And instead we've got Shane Strickland having a really good match at Roderick Strong, mm. but Shane Strickland is never getting anywhere. Let's be honest. No. Whereas Shane Strickland here, I think would be a star in the making if he was mm. an AEW. He looked so good in that match. I didn't know he changed his name. I was like, eh? Shane Strickland, what the fuck's this name? Um, but yeah, that was oh, a, Isaiah Scott. Is yeah. That? Really yeah. solid match at Roderick Strong. I thought, um, I thought Kushida Walter was very good. It was kind of like a B-level version of Walter's matches with smaller guys. It was a different sort of match to what I'd seen Kushida wrestle before. But at the same time, I'm watching a show in front of 400 people in a TV studio when on the other channel you've got a sold-out arena in Boston with hot angles and proper stars. So, whatever. Yeah, that's it. That's kind of my feeling on NXT these last few weeks. And like you said last week, you know, our, our fearless leader Gareth has said, like, it's really sad that... NXT is having to be like the mm. the scapegoat for like you know comparing AEW with if they were head to head with Raw and NXT was allowed to just carry on being NXT it'd be great but this weird condensed two hours of pure sports trying to counter program AEW and the fact that it looks so uncool next to AEW JP it's like yeah I, yeah I, I struggle to get enthusiastic about NXT like the, that Walter Kushida match you know went three point seven five on grapple. I might have gone four if it was in a, in a set and I was enjoying more and I wasn't just at the end of the two hours just thinking, ah, oh, I just want this to end here. I don't need two hours of NXT in my life. It, a lot of the show was very good. It's just it's just standing next to AEW. It's just, it's struggling to stand in the first place. That's it. It's kind of why I didn't watch it. I, I, I looked at it and I went, I'm not sold on this and I don't know if I want to spend the time watching it because... Again, and it's it's one of the things that it so severely lacks. We mentioned about WWE earlier being kind of fake. Just the utter lack of edge to this, and that's and it's. I get what they're doing with the presentation as well, but I think there is. It's still not different in terms of the presentation. It's still not different from the rest of the product to feel kind of unique and standalone. It's, the commentators still commentate in the WWE way. Mauro. 
I can't be dealing with. Like, I won't lie. Well, he does boxing and MMA. Boxing and MMA. Absolutely love him. I can't abide this for the most part. Look, NXT at the moment, does it feel musty? Does it feel relevant? No. Yeah. Whereas AEW has got a lot of buzz on it. It feels fresh. It feels exciting. Did he start off at 1.2 million? It's down already down about 700,000. Yeah. 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 And I think it'll keep on falling as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I think, I I don't know. Hopefully it's, you know, you, you're already hearing like the talking heads coming out and saying, oh, maybe they need to go on the road. Maybe they need to change this, change that. And yeah, that NXT that all of us apparently loved a couple of years ago, I can see it, it, it changing further as well as they very likely to fall even further behind. That's it. They haven't got like the faith of saying, no, this is a good product. We're going to stick with it for a year. We're going to grow it, you know, grow a kind of different fan base for it, Mm. go for something different because there's, you know, it's very, very fresh. It feels in terms of, uh, in terms of the roster itself, it feels kind of, you know, um, very diverse, completely different away from the, the kind of stale nature of the, of the main roster and the characters that are on there. But, that's but, not that's not going to be allowed to happen. That kind of giving it a year to mm. breathe and grow isn't going to happen because, as we've already said many times, it's utterly a reactive company. Well, they've got great wrestlers mm. in NXT, mm. whereas AEW has stars. Match for match, the matches are better. Like if you look on Grapple, yeah. like NXT's yeah, clearly, yeah, yeah, they're better matches. But there's more buzz on it, which I think mean, increases people's enjoyment of it because yeah. it's a more positive atmosphere. I like NXT, but ultimately for these guys, there's a ceiling. And Mm. the ceiling for a lot of them is third-tier WWE, Mm. whereas the ceiling really in AEW is wide open right now for Mm. a lot of the guys there. And therefore, it feels like there's a lot more upward mobility. It's kind of like watching uh, League Two football or switching over to the other side. And I don't know, let's say back in the day, you have a choice, JP, of watching um, a Division Two game between... Luton Town and Oxford United or you can switch over to Channel 4 and you can watch AC yeah. Milan well you can watch the Milan derby and in, you, in yeah. the mid 90s right yeah. what are you going to watch I'm going Serie A all day I'm watching the stars I'm watching George Weah I'm watching Ronaldo you know <laughs> God he was good Wales. oh I could talk about Serie A all day mate especially about that 90s period but what are you going to watch I'm going to watch Serie A all day over watching mm. I don't know Steve Basham ex-Saint striker who went to my school sticking a goal in for Oxford in front of five thousand i want to watch a sold out san siro yeah yeah i can't really say any better than that um, <laughs> i think that sums it up i often wondered yeah, though james what, richardson in the excalibur role as well say, you know, yeah he is ray wilkins in the jim ross role possibly <laughs> peter brackley in the tony Schiavone. Yeah, i was gonna say yeah brackley as tony Schiavone. That reminds me. Did what? Who was it that was supposed to be reading the Wrestling Observer <laughs> with a big with a big ice cream sundae oh, on a yeah, Saturday? I am well up for that. Who yeah. was it that was supposed to be on Raw this week uh, doing the draft from NBC Sports? Robbie Musto. Robbie was Musto. It? Yeah, did he turn oh, up? Robbie Musto on SmackDown in the end. I don't know if he turned I up. I haven't seen anything about it. Didn't see it, but we did. We work with his uh, nephew, and we did tell him. Oh, did you tell him? I told him. I said, like, your uncle's going to be on SmackDown. I think he looked at me like I'd gone a bit mental. He hadn't really expected. 
but I wasn't sure when I'd see him next. Did he say what? Well, I was like, have a look. And he goes, he hasn't said anything about it. And I said, ask him next time Next time you get a chance to speak to him. Ex-Middlesbrough, Robbie Musto. He, who has fuck? done exceptionally well for himself. In his Warren Barton. Yeah, him, Robbie that's, Earl. That's how I watch Robbie football Earl now. from ITV. Yeah. <laughs> NBC Sports comes out with some of like the, the names out of the closet. I, that's how I watch the Premier League on Saturday afternoons when I'm uh, talking up before. Who's Kyle Premier Martino, though? That bloke is all over the fucking place. Oh. Oh, yeah. Not he's, clue who he is. He's the talking head the of Irish bloke years ago is awful. Oh, yeah. He used to be the co- Tommy. I can't Tom, yeah, he played for Millwall, didn't he? He was shit. And he was <laughs> the co-commentator on ESPN. Yeah, he was just for awful. For years. He awful. was awful. Yeah. yeah. Good friends with Shaka Hislop in the end, though. They used to do a lot of punditry together on ESPN. It was fucking terrible. But I still watched it. <laughs> So, what else we watched this week as I struggled to regain I was going to ask before we move on from AEW <laughs> did you guys watch AEW Dark no it's too much for me I can't I, I almost feel like it's taking the specialness away from AEW to have another hour of TV I don't know if I'm wrong in that but blowing through these big matches I almost don't want to see it I saw uh, Darby Allen against Shima that's all mm. I've seen from the, 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 the two Dark tapings I don't know to me it feels like a mistake to be throwing these matches on YouTube um, am I right to, to, to blindly pretend it doesn't exist? Have you been watching it, Joe? Um, I watched a bit of the first episode just to check it out, see what the format was, see what they're doing with it. Format was perfectly good. It felt like a kind of, what would you describe it as? WCW like, Power Hour. Yeah, yeah. It felt like that sort of show, but just with an online platform. From instead. the AEW Control Center. Yeah, mm. it did. And Tony Schiavone presenting it. I, I thought it was fine. I, thought, I think it's a good one because these matches are going to be they're not they're not i don't think they're necessarily going to get loads of attention mm. i know they did janella may which everyone's raving about maybe that's to put a bit more attention on the show generally mm. get a few more people watching i understand that as a strategy i don't think it's going to be must watch uh, tv mm. but i think in terms of giving guys and getting guys on to the product experiment with a few guys giving guys a bit more of an extended chance especially when they're not doing house shows and they're doing the one show a week it's a decent way of getting them out there. It's a decent way of having a bit more content, someone else on your YouTube channel, but also possibly having a B show that could be used for syndication in foreign countries as well. Yeah. So I don't think it's a bad approach at all, to be honest with you. And I'll, I, if I hear something's decent on there or there's a match that strikes my interest, I'll dip in every now and then. Mm. To me, it's just like WWE having a couple of B shows. And, you know, mm. back in the day, would I watch Heat? I'd be all over a bit of heat. Metal, meh, not so much. <laughs> but heat, I was always Jacked. there. But would Steve Jacked Austin be having 30-minute matches show. on metal? That's the thing. Did he? The, Steve Austin? He? No, exactly. He wouldn't, would he? That's the thing. It's no, like... but when heat first started, you would get kind of the bigger guys on there occasionally. Mm. Mate, Triple H and Hardcore Holly on heat. That was a match back in the match, day. Yeah. What else did... Oh, Triple H did a couple on heat. Did it, was Takamishinoku? Oh, no, that was a Raw Open, wasn't it? Uh, oh, no. I remember that. Yeah, that was good. The main yeah. thing I remember about heat is Lowdown. Uh, oh, Brown, Lowdown Rules. Yeah. Really underrated tank team. With their... D'Lo frog splash followed by was it a leg drop from Mosh from uh, from Chaz yeah from great Chaz finish, great yeah. finish that low down and <laughs> then post Beaver Cleaver yeah yeah and then they hooked up with Tiger Ali Singh and turned him into some like sorry racist tag team and it was all all downhill from there yeah, that wasn't great I liked Heat though I, I was always always a big fan of uh, Shotgun as well even when it wasn't the Saturday night show anymore and it was just a, mm. a random show on early mornings on uh, on Sky TV on a, I think it was Sunday was it like 11 or 12 I always enjoyed it because you get the odd like Kid Cash appearances David Jericho or <laughs> you know random cruisers would turn up on there uh, you never knew it was going to turn up 
but yeah, I'm, 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 I can see Dark being a little bit like that as well to some degree. Mm. It's not something I'm going to watch every week. Hey, Taz but... is on it this week. Who is? Taz, Taz doing commentary. is doing some guest commentary. That doesn't excite me. <laughs> <at all. laughs> but if um, the anything can happen, aesthetic. If they get Don West in, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> JP's there with you. I would have a listen. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely have a listen to that. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I like the idea of its existence in the sense that it depends if they've got any of those video packages set up for some of the younger listeners. We're speaking about the stuff about establishing characters and whatnot. If it is used in some way of being able to do that in that kind of YouTube universe they've created themselves with all these kind of different types of shows, I just feels like it's going to appear on that it's probably the kind of thing that'll end up being on bleach report in the states if they had it on there at some point as some kind of option for people to watch but just if it's able to casually get a couple of hundred thousand people to have a watch of some of of younger wrestlers who people aren't the marco stunts of the world for example and be able to have them in there if you have um uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy on there in in like kind of dark match as well. Like if that was what the show is built around, I could see there being a sort of a lot more of a of a better purpose for it of showcasing people who perhaps aren't ready for TV that they've got signed, mm. but still have them working in front of the big crowd as well. Mm. And the matches, you know, with less expectation than what you might expect on say on a TNT. Fair enough. I mean, the other YouTube show we could probably talk about. Uh, oh. that happened this week that I think we all watched. Did you, Did we all watch NWA Power? Yes. Yes, we did. I I must confess, I think I probably watched it after you guys did um, because, yeah, I, I had a load of stuff to do and I wasn't planning to sit down and watch it necessarily, but mm. um, my God, yeah. what an enjoyable hour on, on oh YouTube my. this was. When what? did you get around to watching NWA Power? I, I, uh, a Wednesday, Thursday last week, smart. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like another one's going to be airing pretty much. What is it? Literally, it's, it's just gone six oh five, so it'll be on, yep. uh, and there'll be another episode for people to get their teeth into. But yeah, I mean, as far as like getting that throwback aesthetic right, getting the set right, getting the presentation right, getting the promos right, this was like it was a it was a blast from the past. And I've seen some critique of that that maybe it's a bit too on the nose as a throwback. But if you're the NWA, what else do you do? Like this is exactly what the NWA should be. Like yeah, getting, and and they're using all the right guys as well. You know, at least of who's available to them. You know, I never thought fucking Magnus would be this fantastic world champion, but Nick Aldis carries himself like a like a proper NWA champion. Tim Storm's incredible. Even James Storm's cutting great promos there it was it was using the, the the kind of the broken toys thing again isn't it using the broken toys they've got and using them to their best ability like i, I don't think i mean we'll see how week two goes and maybe people can tell mm. us but like as far as a, a week one goes and as far as you know setting out your stall about what your product was like i don't think it really could have been any more perfect it's a talkers promotion mm. and they've got some good talkers in there this quite refreshingly from a wrestling point of view it's if you're reviewing it my god there's a couple of them like it's over in a minute minute and a half Mm. but nothing outstays its welcome it's probably the best eli drake match i've ever seen in my life on that show the match with caleb Connolly, which i sort of thoroughly enjoyed four minutes it was fun yeah Mm. yeah it was absolutely like and that's where it goes from there is the kind of bigger thing to say. But I would say with the retro stuff, it's different to everything else that's out there. And at this stage, 
different it has to be good what is going to make them unique from everything else because if it went a bit more up market it would effectively look like a very low rent lower rent ring of honor if mm. you can imagine such a thing at this stage so going the retro style the idea of seeing the 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 cameraman there and and them crashing around the set i loved that shit it was kind of wild no music i was i was <laughs> like okay i didn't think that would work but for me it worked I, yeah. I i mean the aesthetic is something's going to appeal to me because i you know i'm a fan of kind of what would be late nwa early wcw as we all are but yeah this sort of ticked a load of boxes for me yeah it's kind of cool that in the last couple of weeks we've had two very fresh and interesting shows debut obviously looking for completely different audiences and on very very different platforms but they both have come along with a kind of a different identity, if anything, mm. a different presentation. But they've very much taken from what we've seen previously and kind of updated it or paid tribute. And I think the NWA is very much in the mode of paying tribute. But in that way, they're paying tribute. This still works as a format. If you're a mm. wrestling fan, you're going to enjoy this. And I didn't realize that I wanted to see wrestling presented like this ever again. And you know what? I really, really enjoyed this. It was so refreshing. And I'd go as far as to call it postmodern, if anything. But I don't know if I'd even call it that. It just felt retro, mm. but in a cool way. Like when I saw some of the screenshots and the images of this, I thought to myself, this, the set design looks amazing. Like it looks like someone is making a film about that studio era of wrestling. And Nick Aldis is playing like one of the champions. Nick the, Bockwinkle. Yeah, he's playing Nick Bockwinkle. He's been cast as him. And, like the set design did so much in terms of getting me in. Like the aesthetic generally is great. But this was apparently it was an Emmy award winning set designer that they employed on the show to wow. design these sets. Yeah. So no expense spared there, I imagine. And my God, did it look cool mm. and really work. And you know what, there's a lot to be said for how into into this the fans got as well. And I oh. never in my life thought you'd maybe care or be interested in Tim Storm versus Nick Oldis. <laughs> oh. I don't know. When he, when he cut that M&M, pro, when he cut the M&M line in his promo, I was oh, well on board with Tim Storm. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. What was it? He says... Uh, you get one opportunity. Yeah, you know, one shot at the uh, the eight mile line. What did he say? As a yeah. famous art literary uh, figure once said, or something like that. Brilliant. Yeah, I didn't have Tim Storm down as an NWA NWA as an MM <laughs> man. He's definitely an NWA man. So you I hope he's an NWA man in Alter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, but yeah, just Tim. The, what do you think of the police? Not much. Ethel Vosagen. Um, <laughs> what a man. Yeah, that's the thing. The thing is, though, look at Tim Storm. How old is he now? What, 50? We've got to remember, we've got to remember the fact that Eminem came out, what, 20 Another years ago? Another 50-year-old. He's so, had a belted fucking week. Yeah, but, Tim Storm would have been in his early 30s. He would have Eminem been younger than me, so I probably should shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd be like, Tim like Storm your age, was there on the debut. He was there on the re- release day of eight, the release day of eight, 8 Mile, I reckon. He was lining up, getting day ready one. to get get involved in them rap battles and take an inspiration in his wrestling career, if anything. Yeah. Team Good on Eddie it, Kingston. Get the lads together. Ah, oh, I was going to say, the selection of wrestlers here, 
really interesting. Mm. From JP's perspective, I'm sure he was loving it because it was lots of his TNA heroes <laughs> just put into a kind of retro setting and giving given something else completely different in terms of presentation mm-hmm. and in terms of approach from what they were given in TNA. So look at Glee on his face now as he's thinking about James Storm, Eli Drake, uh, what's his name, Bram in that environment. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not... <laughs> I'm gonna pull you off on Bram for that one. <laughs> Caleb Conley, he was in he was in uh, Impact for a bit. Yeah, I saw him wrestling Evolve live actually. Caleb Conley. Sal Renara was on there for us old ROH fans, Joe. Yeah. Oh yeah, all that uh, great Sal Renaro I saw back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Tag team a little wheel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, everyone kind of had their place in the card. I thought uh, there, there was variety. The storytelling, I thought, with Nick Aldis was subtle. Nick Aldis's promo was mm. so, so good. Like, I was hooked. I was glued into Nick Aldis. Like, the turnaround that he's done on me in the last year or so, with the way he's presented himself, the way he's invested himself, yeah, yes. and the way he said, I'm going to be this guy, and I'm going to study this wrestling, and I'm going to reinvent myself, and fair play to him. Because I think even if this NWA stuff doesn't work, I think he's kind of... He might be in demand after this as well. I think he should be. AEW could use him. Job at AEW, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. He knows how to bring meaning to his matches and to his feuds. The stuff of his valet, like, I don't even know who his valet is, but the subtle storytelling at the end there, excellent. Like, mm. really good. And it's and you know it's for this, it's going to be a very slow burn thing for it. And um, in t- the idea you speak about MJF earlier on, and obviously on a much bigger scale of people wanting to kind of, is this going to be the point he turns? And he's going to tease it so many times, and it's going to be great. Mm. Just how close he's going to get to teasing it, and then sort of pulling back from it. But here, it was the idea that he's a heel, but he doesn't actually do anything heelish necessarily. Mm. He just kind of is. I'm the champ, and I'm and I'm the best, but not in a demeaning way where he's just sort of cutting a standard heel promo on the baby face. But it's because the people want to see the baby face win. Yeah. And the storyline within this match and the low blow stuff that they did, because sort of showing stories. That was a great hope spot. Like what a absolutely what a spin on a hope spot as well. Like use that as a hope spot. And in and in twenty nineteen people got that. People, you know, it's not a case that you're turning on Tim Storm. It's the idea of what desperation will will make people do. You know, the simplest form of storytelling to it. I mean, I'll probably find it hard after we've stopped recording tonight to not have some sort of watch of this in the next 24 hours. <laughs> well, the new episode's up now. Mm. Yeah. Well, what I loved about Nick Aldis as well is he's kind of a heel, but you can't help but respect him. Absolutely. He carries a respectability. Yeah. I can't wait till Tim Storm wrecks his jag at some point. <laughs> <laughs> he parts out the front, didn't he, apparently? He's not got a roller, but he's got a jag. He's got a jag. He said, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. brought a jag down or something. Uh, like Phil Mitchell. Oh, see, Dean Gaffney got sat from EastEnders. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He'd been sending some, asking some woman for some naughty pictures. The son <laughs> quoted saying that he asked someone to send him pictures of their boobs and bum. <laughs> Never going to change his gaffers. <laughs> uh, very untropic, though, for wrestling, to be fair. He needs a He's Nick oldest uh, turnaround as gaffers, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon because <laughs> Dean Gaffley's been the same guy for, what, 25 years? He's too busy <laughs> hanging out with Omar and Phil Mitchell. Hanging out with Beppe. Do you hear about that uh, Chelsea match recently? Oh, yeah, you said it. They went to Norwich Chelsea and they, they were sat in the away end and kept cheering when Chelsea scored and got thrown out. Brilliant. I love 
But uh, Beppe and Robbie Jackson are still hanging out together. Like that's great. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I mean, on the on the <laughs> on the show itself, like not to throw water on it too much, but one like big negative kind of point that I I would make, like I do think it's fair to say, like this is a show that I really enjoyed as a throwback and as a one-off. Mm. I wonder, remember Lucha Underground when everyone was so excited about this different presentation of wrestling and yeah. we all kind of lost interest after a while. I wonder in six weeks, like, wh- where does this go? Like, what's the end goal? Like, they're going to be losing well, money on these, these putting these TV shows mm. together. So from a money point of view, where do they go? You know, it's not an endless money fit, even though they have um, got Mr. Smashing Pumpkins there to uh, to hand over a little bit. But like, I do wonder, like, in six weeks, what's the argument for... You know, are people still going to be watching this? Or, you know, if it, is it so on the nose that, like, in six weeks, might you just go, you know what, I could just go back and watch some old Georgia wrestling. You know what I mean? I could I could watch the stuff they're aping rather than watching this, along with the 20 other shows I've got to watch weekly. That's the only, like, slight negativity I have. As much as I really I agree with everyone how much I enjoyed this first show, I wonder about the longevity of, the, of this idea as a concept. I'd recommend in that case, uh, listen to, did you listen to Dave Lagana being interviewed by John Pollock on Post? Yeah, it was a really good interview. That. It was a oh, good interview like on that. And, the, and and that's one of the things that, that Dave Lagana says is basically, this is not sustainable as a format on YouTube because of the monetization. Ah, effectively yeah, looking well. like it, like I get the impression this is being done effectively as a, as a series. And it's a series to try and then sell into, into syndication and whether or not it's the kind of stuff that you could sell around to enough smaller stations in the States where it's cu- you can put this on the middle of the day. It's not going to offend or upset anyone. The wildness is kind of like of a reasonable level and it's not the kind of match style where it's going to be going very OTT. So I think that's the plan. And then it becomes an issue of if they do that, are they going to be able to invest then in some, at that point, because they're building to a pay-per-view show as well, I think. Yeah. It's the wrestling side of it is where, if they're going to be exposed, that's where they're going to be exposed. Within this one-hour format, you can have the Dawson's win in two minutes or the wild cards. Mm. Um, But ultimately, I think the idea of this is they're producing it, going to try and build that buzz online, say, you know, at the minute, Joe's got this play with no sound on there. It's on at the moment. On at the moment. There's 10,500 watching it on YouTube. Now, it's gone up. The number's not gone down since I turned yeah. it on. It's now, gone up. I know that's 10,500 at this particular time. I think the opening episode did 120,000. It might be the kind of thing you say, look, there's an audience out there who enjoy this, and if they can if they can um, get some kind of distribution deal, it, it would work out nicely. Mm. Yeah, um, and I, I think there are enough people probably in, like I don't know, backwater towns in america the memphis is what do you think of the wgn channels and stuff like that those those small tv yeah they might be able to pick up smaller networks a a few quid it'd be nice if they could i think (coughs) we'd be perfect for sinclair and their kind of retro views as well yeah true i think your doubts though benno i completely get like that did cross my mind as well like Mm. i'm gonna i've got it on at the moment just in the background having a look at it because it's on live I'll give this one a watch. I'll give it a watch for the next few weeks. You know, I might eventually fall off. You don't know. Um, but if it's sort of a 10-episode series, I'll try and stick with it. It's so easy to watch as well. Mm. Like, just looking at it at the moment, you've got Colt Cabana out there being interviewed on that lovely set. 
Like, already I'm thinking, I want to turn the sound up and start recording this bloody <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you might feel like even stronger, mate, when we get to our next segment when I review progress. Should we just do a live NWA watch-along instead? Ah, I don't think people are going to be that interested, are they? Unfortunately, <laughs> we've got we've got to cater to our audience, <laughs> the few of them that there are, and <laughs> <laughs> growing, and growing. Uh, but yeah, any any other lasting thoughts on, on that that debut power before I do get into the progress stuff then? Well, they're almost up to eleven thousand viewers. I've been watching it go up and up and up. They're on ten thousand nine hundred and six right now. So I'm cheering them on to get to eleven thousand. Should I let you know when they get there. Do it, do it. Let's have a live update as. Uh... It'll distract us from the progress monotony. Well, progress looks shite. That's all I'll say, Ben. <laughs> uh, and I didn't even meet up with Glenn. Can you believe it? Oh, Judas. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, we, we planned, Let you down, mate. We planned on. on it, but yeah, with uh, with Bill. Matt Richards, who's now taken over Jim Smallman's uh, role in progress doing the uh, the live. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Oh, taking over the fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, 11,000. They got it. As Ken fucking Anderson turned up. Oh, I heard oh. he was on the tapings. Are, are oh, you out I'll, already? I'll, I'm, I'll have to probably skip his bits because he's he's up there with Bray Wyatt in that kind of upper echelon of wrestlers. That I just... Did you not enjoy his conflicted run in uh, Aces and Aces? Oh, mate, I'm turning this off. They're losing a viewer. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I hate him that much. He is bad. Yeah, he's, he's a, a roast dinner of wrestlers for me. Ten years ago, we'd be perfect for this because I'd be interested in him. But I've seen him do that same promo for ten. He's one of those. He's a talker, not a wrestler. So in 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 a way, he fits this uh, product. But yeah, it's still Ken Anderson. No. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, he's he can't have good matches. But sorry, you were you were saying? Oh yeah, on the progress stuff. What you think about that? Uh, obviously, I will full disclosure. I know Matt Richards very well. Took my second wrestling training session. Uh, way back in the day, um, he's taken over from Jim Smallman as far as the uh, the three three men behind Progress. I don't have any inside information on what the, the makeup of that is. I would imagine uh, that it's a job for him rather than you know him being an outright owner like the other two. But I haven't had that confirmed. Mm. Uh, it looks like, and it, the other thing, he's taken over Smallman uh, as the mouthpiece of Progress as well. He's going to be uh, presenting the shows and yeah, basically doing a Jim Smallman. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel on that one before I get into the, the review of the uh, the Manchester show that I went to? Do you think uh, we, we should expect any change in progress or is that an indication? It is for me, at least, that, you know, Matt Richards has joked himself that he, you know, does a does a Jim Smallman impression when he's doing his <laughs> ring announcing. Uh, he's very good at it, but, I don't know, a bit too similar in style to Smallman for me. I think maybe I would have gone with the full rebrand in January rather than, I don't know, doing a doing a doing another version of uh, of the same. Past caring. <laughs> um, oh, no. Personally, I mean, I always enjoyed his ring announcing in Fight Club Pro. Um, I think it's, I would have liked, personally, I would have liked to see them do something different and go like kind of away from this because he's clearly influenced by Jim Smallman in terms of his ring introductions. However, as a booker, I wouldn't know, and you would know this better than me, but I would get the impression he'd have a better handle on a lot of things than perhaps what John and Glenn have in, ter- in terms of wrestling. So it depends on how much he's allowed to add to that kind of creative side. Mm. Because if it's effectively, you know, a situation where th- these are the storylines we're going with, how can you think we can make these work? He's going to need a bit more input than that because, I don't know, looking at the results of this show, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. Can't fucking start soon enough, really, at this role. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I, I wonder how much of an impact anyone can have. You know, you're coming in as the the new guy to to two people who are, you know, the the, the already. Yeah, it's it's over, mate. It's over. <laughs> it's over a while ago. Can't be it's safe. just. It's just done. Like it's it's like everyone's pretending that this Brit rest stuff is still good. Like it's just not. Like the, the scene is just boring at this point in time. Yeah, there are shows going on. Yeah, people are having a good time. There's no buzz on it. There's nothing overly engaging about it at this point in time. Sorry, Benno. Yeah, Pro- Progress plead Manchester. Your, Progress plead Manchester. Ca- plead your case, mate. But you know, I'm. It, it, I'm not convinced. <laughs> You're not going to get a defender from me. I am Mr. Brit Rez is dead. But, mate, Ginny and Tony Storm faced off on this Progress Manchester show out on Sunday. Remember Ginny and Tony Storm? We're going to get the, gonna get that epic rivalry that spawned, what, 30-odd three-star matches? The, the come up. Honestly, I think that's been generous. I've, I had a good time at the show. I went with my brother, who's not a wrestling fan, I've mentioned before, who I've taken to these Progress shows. He always enjoys it. It's always interesting seeing it from, you know, a, another perspective. Definitely not a show I'd recommend on VOD. And definitely not a show where I can even explain why. I went to the toilet after the Tony Storm match because it was your standard Tony Storm three-star special with Danny Luna. I came back to Tony Storm and Ginny stood in the ring and people chanting, holy shit, or some variation of it. And going, going <laughs> wild oh, for... Seriously? Pretending. People are pretending, they're convincing themselves that it's this Ginny stuff Havoc. is still good. She left three months ago. <laughs> She's Ginny oh. Havoc now, though, JP. She's got a mask. No? Oh, my God. I was, I was shocked. I, I, if by shocked you mean appalled. I mean, it's the thing is... Is that the well, most undeserved holy shit chant ever? Oh, oh I'm trying to think. Sorry, I interrupted you, JP. No, no, no. I'm trying to think of the biggest. I, I don't know. Maybe when Eric Watts appeared back in TNA. Would you, first, would you, did he get a holy shit? Show? No, I don't know. If he would did. you like to know how memorable it was? Well, after the show, uh, Grapple Gareth was giving me and my brother a lift home, and me and Gareth were talking about the uh, the Ginny and Tony Storm angle, and our Peter turned around to me and went, "Tony Storm, which one was he?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony, like Tony oh. the Tiger Storm. Yeah. Dear. Honestly. But this is the kind of stuff that they have to move away from. It, like, seriously, they can't. Doing this. Yeah, but it's NXT UK's Ginny, mate. She's a fucking superstar <laughs> who's a great wrestler who is, well, yeah, apparently, according to progress anyway. Mm. I mean, I've said before, she's better off suited within mate, that system. She, that means shit. not going going back out. Ginny's but... rubbish. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's yeah. rubbish. Bang yeah. average. Yeah. Yeah, and doesn't yeah. and psychologically her matches make no sense based on her size mm. and how she wrestles for someone of her size. She doesn't mm. think about stuff like body, like shape. The, the, the ring psychology is kind of not there in a gym. Sure, I heard you say she does a better rainmaker than a no. Carter does. Ah, uh, the only thing, oh, those <laughs> tiny arms. The only yeah. thing Ginny is good for is her RevPro entrance music. And I'm never going to hear that again, unfortunately. Yeah. And that was an absolute fucking banger. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, All I, eyes on me. All eyes on me. Yeah, that one. <laughs> right. Like, I honestly, like, there are, there are a couple of positives I'm going to talk about with this show. But the biggest override negative in progress right now is these NXT UK guys, they leave, they come back, 
they stick around like a bad smell. Tony Storm's still around in progress for reasons. She's got nothing else to do in progress. She's just there to fill a book in. She doesn't look particularly motivated, if I'm honest. She's out there having her 2.75 to 3-star matches all the time. And they, they just it's like the drug they can't give up. Like, Eddie Dennis came out on this show. And again, Mate, will... I think it's a social thing for a lot of them as well. What, why is I think it? they just like hanging out with their mates at the sh- after the shows and during the shows and stuff. I get that impression from a lot of them. Yeah, which doesn't appeal, but the wrestling itself does not. Is not. But, I don't know. But why, Eddie Dennis? Like he can't even wrestle right now. Like they had him come out and do a promo, which he's very good at. But he, cl- he couldn't get involved in a physical angle. You couldn't do anything with him. You had another show. Like this was a six-match show. Which, if finished at quarter past six and we got home nice and handy, which I appreciate, probably be an easy watch on VOD. Not that I'd recommend anybody do it. Like, nah. What's the, like, yeah, like, Eddie Dennis is like going back to him. And when you thought, just when you thought maybe they're going to be injecting some new talents, and they did, you know, Car Noir and Ilya Dragunov was a very good match on this show. And I appreciate mm. that they're bleeding Car Noir in, they're bleeding Scotty Davis in, and they are trying to bring some new blood in. But at the same time, Going back to the well of NXT UK, guys, putting your title on an Eddie Dennis who can't wrestle right now anyway, and again is tarred with that NXT UK brush. I just don't get the thinking. Like every pretty much every match on the show has an NXT UK guy on one side of the ring or the other, if not both. And I just don't like I think, like the best thing progress could do if they're gonna half arse and throw out six six match cards like this was with no real main events as far as I was concerned. Like at least like go back to the well and start with like your new guys and and just refresh things entirely you'd probably get criticism maybe even criticism from people like us if you did that in the early stages but you would imagine that long term that would pay off better than going back to the well of bringing back Ginny as a fucking surprise and putting the title on eddie dennis at least a year too late uh i don't get it yeah, it's like they think about this as if, like, getting some guys from four fifth-tier WWE in mm. is like getting a few lads in from, I don't know, the Premier League for your mate's Sunday League team or something. Mm. It's not the equivalent of me recruiting, I don't know, David Beckham to come and play in my Sunday League team back in the day, is it? It's fucking Ginny. Like, that's what it is. Who Are these guys drawing a house for progress at this point in time? Is Eddie Dennis a draw? Is he selling tickets because he's on NXT UK? Like, it's fucking ridiculous. I just... Why am I even talking about this? <laughs> can, I get, can I go home? <laughs> they are such an irrelevance. But, and, but Joe, ah. I've got to tell you about the, the TK Cooper and, and body guy Roy Johnson match. And before You're anyone done. says... <laughs> before anyone says, I know that's them trying to get over allegedly younger talent, but they're two men who have been entirely broken by progress as use of them. There's not even a yeah. point trying with TK Cooper and Roy Johnson. They ran an angle with TK Cooper and Travis Banks where they tried to... Oh, about two, three years too late. Exactly, yeah. Let's go back to the three ways of Chris Brooks. Let's do that again. Um, TK Cooper couldn't be less convincing in the role. Roy Johnson, we all know why he's back in progress. It's the He's got an NXT UK contract again, or at least he was on their most recent tapings. When we talk about pushing young guys and doing new things, that's not who we're talking about. And, you know, being completely forthright, there were good, good things on this show, like talking about the Manchester influence and the maybe the Matt Richards influence, the fact that, you know, somebody who I've raved about on this show, Callum Corey, uh, also known as Sandy Beach, mm. was in the, in the dark match on the show against uh, Rizzy Khan, Rizman Khan, um, 
Wasn't the perfect match, but I thought he looked good and promising. I thought the young guns looked fantastic on the show, Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs. Um, did you see both yeah, of them? Yeah, we saw him at Future, the 17-year-old lad. Luke, you saw Luke Jacobs, didn't you, against... Yeah, uh, we saw Luke Jacobs. I don't think we'd seen Ethan Allen before. How, I'm assuming he's, what, 18 or so. Yeah, they're both... It's ridiculous. They're both literal children. It, it's an absolute disgrace. Jesus. But, like... With them, like, I would have said, if you'd have asked me a month ago, should they be on a progress show? I'd say, ah, maybe it's a bit too soon. You know what? Now, after seeing them on the progress show, one, they did very well. Two, why not? Because at least they're offering you something fresh. They went out there and had a tag match with Pretty Deadly. I don't know if you've seen before, Lewis Howley and Sam Stoker, uh, who come across like a sleazy mid-90s team that you'd, you'd, you'd likely see on like Raw you know in the place of like the Heavenly Bodies or Wellborn oh, or a team see. like that I, I love it yeah and they've got that aesthetic they've got that sleazy very very good looking lads in great Jimmy shape Jimmy Del Rey yes yeah, the gigolo yeah. they got that kind of thing going on for them Great old school heel, maybe Beverly Brothers kind of tag team. Um, lots of, it was your standard, you know, face heel tag match with uh, lots of heat from then and, you know, big comebacks from the young guns who do do, you know, the budget Noah stuff maybe a little bit too much. Um, but they're going to grow into that and they're going to get better. Uh, and they're both very good as it is, to be honest. That was really encouraging. But I walked away from that match though again thinking, am I ever going to, like, the, the thing with progress right now is like, and I noticed this from taking someone who's not a fan. Every show we go to, it's just a different collection of wrestlers. Like, there's no consistency from show to show. Is there ever? Is there ever going to be a Pretty Deadly and Young Guns rematch in progress? Are they ever both going to be in the same card again? Probably not. It's probably going to be some kind of shit mix the next time they come into town. There's no... That's what progress needs. It needs, like, a as well as a million other things. Just something that ties these shows together. What if you started the, like... Remember when Ring of Honor used to do in the US where they'd have stories for for. Boston, like every time they went back to Boston, they continue yeah, this yeah. little story. Every time they went back to Chicago, maybe there's a CM Punk story going on. This is the type of match and this is the type of feud you could revisit and do rematches and do other stuff in, in different Manchester shows. But we don't know when they're coming back to Manchester. We don't know even know what they're doing next year. And we don't know who's going to be on the show next year. Pretty Deadly are already snapped up by NXT UK. So this is the first time I saw them and I already know the sign. So, you know. <laughs> so well, they haven't got as... enough talent to use, isn't it? They've kind of really hard pushed, aren't they? Yeah. That's oh, it. don't. Look, for a moment there, Benno, you were selling me because I was thinking it felt like Matt Richards was like, I don't know, Frank Lampard at Chelsea and these young lads were like the Tammy Abrahams and Mesa Mounts and Tamoris of this world. Hudson Adoy as well. I was thinking, okay, okay, a bit of promise there, but now you said that, wow, whatever. Well, I'm they, losing- still, they, they still want to get in the big, expensive Shevchenko-style signing, don't they? Well, wow, after it. this transfer, like Ginny. After the Oh, fuck, Ginny, Shevchenko. <laughs> Shevchenko was a disappointment there, though, wasn't he? Let's I was, I was starting to think of disappointing big signings that Chelsea have had. Yeah. Uh, Chris Sutton, Fernando Torres. There you go. That's probably the biggest oh. one, if anything. Although yeah. he scored some Torres, when he cut his hair and changed his hair color, he was never Lazio the same for years. Casaragi got injured. No, 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 no. He was an uh, Argentinian striker. Crespo. Crespo. That's what I was thinking of. Anyway, I'll, yeah, Jenny's like Crespo. There you go. Crespo is class. <laughs> I'll keep it short. It's got the Champions League finals. It's got the 2005 final. Uh, I feel like I've lost your interest, guys. Uh, I'll keep it it short in that regard, then, in that case. One thing I did like Ilya Dragunov and Karen Noir on the show. I thought that was a Mm. very good match. Probably should have been. If they'd have built Ilya Dragunov in a better way rather than just having random matches where he has slowly got over, especially to the Northern crowd. 
this could have been a main event. Uh, Cara Noir came across like an absolute star in his entrance. Ilya Dragunov has got a strong personality in his own right, and it felt like a big clash of big personalities. I went 3.75. The, uh, the grapple average is trending towards four. If there was a recommended match from the show, as much as I enjoyed this, that opening tag as well, It'd probably be that as well, uh, but it was kind of yeah. It was your it was your second from last match. Uh, they threw Devlin and Davis against the Grizzle Young Vets on last. Drake Gibson cut a great promo as he normally does be up before the match. You, you you walk out of you know seeing him cut those promos and wonder why they don't have him cut those promos on NXT was UK. He kicking off at you again. He didn't mention. Luckily, he uh, he didn't pick on the uh, the lads in the audience with their check shirts on. Um, didn't have a check shirt on on, the, on this regard, so that was all right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, up the style, Benno. I like it. <laughs> I, I'm just black t-shirts at this point, mate. I've turned 35. Um, no effort to put into my wardrobe. <laughs> just call me Jimmy Havoc. Um, yeah, but it you was a, like you got AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Thanks, mate. It was a three and a half star match, though. It was it was fine. It was grizzled young veterans on a house show. It wasn't, you know, the level of match that you can see them do elsewhere. And, you know, I enjoy Devlin and Davis as a team, but this didn't mm. feel like a main event. And all in all, like, yeah, my, my main feeling on the show is that, yeah, they went, it was six matches, but, you know, it wasn't anything blow away. It was fine. It was a fun afternoon at the wrestling, but... Yeah, it, it felt like a show really missing something. It was missing that big main event. It was missing that spectre of a Walter or a, you know, dare I say it, a Pete Dunne before him. They're missing kind of that, those top level stars that they mm. just haven't got anymore and haven't developed um, on the undercard. I mean, as much as I like Paul Robinson and he was fantastic, like even someone like him, like he's one of the people in progress who's got the most buzz right now, but he's in this weird facey heel kind of role where... He's still doing his Paul Robinson character, but when he knocks people off a chair, he helps them up and shakes their hands. Like, it's weird. It's, he's still he's still coming out and swearing at the fans, and he's still very, you know, I suppose he's pro set in unions, but he's still very Tory in his ripping apart of a David Starr. But he's also supposed to be the babyface, and it's really odd, and they had this weird no DQ Proteus title match with Travis Banks that, yeah, I, I don't, I, I love Paul Robinson. I enjoy his acts, but I just wonder, you know, you, you get someone like that with a bit of momentum behind him. Um, and I don't really trust progress right now to, to stick the landing with him and to do anything interesting with him going forward based to, based on this show. Where, uh, he's still both away. I saw, I saw Eddie, uh, I saw Eddie Dennis was having a go at David Starr's independent movement. Got cheer for as well. Got cheer for it. Huh? Got cheered for it. Fuck uh, unions and uh, and you know what the fuck liberal thought. <laughs> right, basically. What, Tory what, yeah, let's let's just stop because <laughs> this crowd are full of fucking idiots who probably don't really even understand what a union is, and they're in the fucking north. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, yeah let, ah, I'm gonna get angry. Here. Can we move on? Yeah. <laughs> so, solid enough afternoon out at the wrestling. Glad I got home for seven o'clock. That's Was it sold out? Talk. Uh, yeah, I got one of my tickets on um, Twicket and yeah, got okay. donated one to... Well, I can't wait for unboxing. Well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you still going? Apparently, yeah. Oh, nice. How'd you get that ticket, Joe? <laughs> uh, I got my wife's. Um, and you didn't even get your real main event, Benno, which I thought was going to take place in Brewdog, but, you know, there's always uh, a next time. There is next time, yeah. Maybe yeah. unboxing. Yeah. Oh, you, you maybe come oh, down yeah. with you, Glenn, go to, a, go to a Brewdog in London. That could be JP fun. as well. Rip it up day before New Year's Eve. Hey, well, JP's up for it. Pre New Year's Eve. Yeah, pre New Year's Eve, ripping and a tearing. <laughs> With you. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, do that. JP all over North London. Oh, geezer the fucker up. <laughs> I'll wear the hat and everything. Uh, so, yeah. I had a good, anyway, I had a good time. But, yeah, you know, there was, there was a breed show in a cave at the weekend. I kind of wished a little bit I was at that. Resurgence had an all-person of colour mm. show on the weekend as well. You know, I, I slagged on bodywork by Roe Johnson before, but that's a, that's an interesting show. Maybe I would rather have... Uh, have really is. There. Some um, interesting talent on there as well. A couple of people that we... Good to see Sugar Dunked on them, but Warren Banks as well. Mm. Just look like an interesting, look at an interesting show. Like a couple of very small companies who are giving work to some of those wrestlers who need to get much more of a sort of open eyeballs. It's stuff that really is difficult for us logistically to get to, but mm. it's good for them. It's like the Star Cave stuff as an element of notoriety. It will, you know, it'll do very well. Apparently, though, it's bloody cold. I believe so. It's a cave after all. Yeah, exactly. What are you expecting? <laughs> uh, anything else from you guys? Any shows coming up? Anything interesting? I've uh, I threw the towel in on that Ring of Honor Bolton show, by the way. Uh, oh, I'll, thank God. I looked at the tickets. It was £30 plus booking fees and then a £20, yeah, and then a £20 trade. Yeah, no, 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 no. We were talking about it. I think Matt's already, uh, him and uh, crew, are going down in there, sort of. But when it was £30 minimum for a ticket, £20 for travel, and your minimum to go see Ring of Honor in Bolton is £50, I'm out. Even I've got my limits, lads. Good. Are you sure? Solidarity. Apparently, PCO's not not bringing you in then. Matt told, told us this week, by the way, he gave uh, Matt Taven and Roosh from that last ROH show the full five stars. So, you know. Mate, he gave Jimmy Abbott versus Darby Allen 3.75 on the grapple app, I saw. Like, <laughs> he's, the he's one a loyal man. listener. And he loves he's Jimmy a Abbott. top bloke. Uh, he's my favourite of all the listeners, actually, I think. Uh, but 3.75 for Jimmy Abbott. <laughs> Come on, not at this point. He loves he loves our Jimmy, and I don't get it, but, you know, uh, he's been exposed to MLW Jimmy Havoc. Apparently, that's a different beast. Uh, I'm well, really still catching up with much MLW myself. I'm guessing Matty's still trying to clean his palate out from watching all that shite G1 over the summer as well. Yeah, well, there's that. You know, and he's excited for Bound for Glory on Sunday. That's coming up on Sunday. He asked on Twitter if we do a preview. We're not. But that's happening too, yeah. you know. So we'll good. be we'll be watching it though. Oh yeah, I'm not. Oh, we'll do it. JP. It's we'll irre- it is irrelevant. No, it isn't. Too much other stuff going on. NWA Power got to tune into a bit of that. AEW, ah, nah, I can't bother with irrelevant wrestling at this point. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'll sit in my ivory tower and judge you both. Good lad. Anything else before we go, fellas? No, all good. Cool. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Is it good? I don't know. If this uh, poxy cold disappears, that'd be good. Yeah, that's it. Uh, well, that's it for a show. Then. Hopefully, cold, JP feels a, better. Brit Red has got a cold at the moment, hasn't it? It really it's has. Cold, generally. It's, yeah. it's got the it's got the Jimmy Havoc aids, I think. <laughs> yeah, look at the there's lesions all over the place. It's not good. And on that note, everyone, uh, <laughs> download the Grapple app uh, on Android. So I'm Google just thinking, have we gone from Brit Wrestlers Dead to Brit Wrestlers AIDS? Yeah. yeah. Is that, is that where, oh, um, no, is that the title? Brit Wrestlers. Well, I'm thinking it possibly is. Uh, have you been watching, um, what's it called, The Deuce? It's dealing with a lot of AIDS-related stuff. Oh, season. yes. Uh, no, we'll watch that at some point. I've no, never seen an episode, but I love uh, the wire, obviously. Oh, so I must watch it. Same kind of depth, maybe not as interesting a subject matter, but still, a, you know, an interesting subject matter oh, being born. I'd, I'd recommend the, the French film 120 BPM about mm-hmm. how. Um, is this an AIDS film? It is. 
in the 80s and about how it kind of exploded through through Paris and what happened. There's lots of really good documentaries about Would you recommend Philadelphia? No, it's an awful film. Yeah, I is. do like Dar- Dallas Buyers Club, though. I do really uh, enjoy I wasn't a fan of that. I prefer Mark Fowler's plight in EastEnders, personally. <laughs> the best AIDS storyline. <laughs> when he goes off on his bike. Well, if you're ranking yeah. AIDS storylines, yeah. that goes to number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there we are. Um, Liam needs joking extras, but now I'll leave that. You can't rank. <laughs> you can't rank AIDS uh, related stories, but you can rank wrestler matches on the Grapple app. Download the Grapple app <laughs> <laughs> on the Google Play Store, iTunes, Apple, all that good stuff. Leave all your ratings and uh, join the conversation with us. Don't know what else. Follow JP on Twitter at JPJP. Follow me at Benson Richard E. Follow the Grapple app. At grapple app uh, also a note from me as well if you whatever reason uh, apparently listen to me twice in a week uh, British Wrestling Experience on post we've moved days uh, so you won't expect a, a show tonight uh, being Wednesday night it will the next show will be out Friday morning so keep an ear out for that myself and James are going to go uh, in depth on our WXW weekend if people wanted a, a bit more of that uh, Martin's going to talk about that cave show as well so uh, tune in for that too um, but yeah other than that that's us for another week we'll catch you again next week Bye. Bye. Look. If you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it? Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Well, I'm just going to get and watch an Anita then for a few weeks and then just take it to a whole new fucking other level.